0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Disc Coverers, the only podcast online that reads, reviews, and ranks all 41 of Terry Pratchett's seminal series of comic fantasy novels, The Discworld. I'm Iris J. Pronouns are she or Zare, if you're spicy, and I am so excited to be back here with you, the audience, and these, my gracious co-hosts, including a special guest, Uh, Why don't y'all introduce yourselves? Uh, Why don't we begin with our special guest? I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Hi, I'm Kel McDonald. Uh, My pronouns are they, them. And I'm a special guest because I am a self-professed werewolf expert uh, and a big Discworld fan. So this is the book for me to be a guest on.
0: I'm so excited. Kel is... uh a longtime listener, and probably like outside of the other folks here in this podcast, th- the most Discworld experienced. Like, uh, uh, what's what's the word? I'm I'm my, my brain is popping up Svengali, but that's not that's not correct. Uh, a amazing maven, D- a, uh, a a a wizened sage of Discworld. A Uh, wizard, a Discworld wizard. I I remember (laughs)
1: when you were starting this podcast, Iris, and we were talking about Mm -hmm. Discworld, and you said... Jingo was the most racist Discworld book, and I said, I think you are forgetting about interesting times. Um,
2: I specifically were, was like, were you the one that uh, kept telling us, no, no, just wait for interesting times? Because yeah. you were very, very right. You were completely right. Yes. I, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Good job. Like, when that's I first said uh, Jingo is not the most racist Discworld book, you countered with examples of how Jingo was racist, and I was like, oh, no, no, that's not my argument. My arguing is that there is more racism in interesting times.
0: <laughs> you were we have right. Not yet hit the bottom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Anyways, my other three co-hosts are uh, also special guests, but in so much <laughs> as they're special in that they show up every month for this thing. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? Grace, then June, then Belina. Oh, I get to
3: go well. But basically, first this time, we'll take that. Hello, everypony, I am the internet's beloved Princess Grace, she, her, fey, fear, fair, if you're spicy, and I am, uh, once again, pleased as punch to be here. Uh,
2: hello, I am uh, Juniper, as always. Uh, pronouns are she, her. Uh, I'm very excited for this episode, because this is one of my favorite books.
4: I forgot about it, I, or forgot how much I loved it. Really excited to talk about it. I am still Belina, she slash they slash CB. I'm always just happy to happy to be here and happy to actually be prepared for once.
2: Oh, also, I'd like to formally apologize if my chair squeaks all through the episode. It's been so squeaky recently.
0: That's okay. I can edit it out in post, mostly. Oh, okay. Unless okay. it squeaks at the exact moment you're talking, in which case you're on your own. Well, that mm-hmm. hopefully won't happen. I, damn it, I tried to make it happen. Didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Sometimes... Uh, Having noise in the studio is part of the magic of podcasting. Sometimes uh, I open my water bottle and there's like clanging. Sometimes people hit desks. Sometimes there's typing. But all of these things can be edited out using the magic of audacity. And if they can't be edited out, then I handle them with the magic of not caring about it. And listeners can deal with the fact that we're human people. Good choice.
3: It it adds verisimilitude. It's like you're there in a real space. It's also, like sonic
0: skewmorphism, yeah. yeah.
3: It's it's why we had to integrate my Kosa's C- bird being around into the fiction on horse truck because <laughs> what Good you do? the like, bird, she makes noise. <laughs> That's
0: great. Anyways, the book we're talking about today is The Fifth Elephant, uh put out by Terry Pratchett in I believe it was nineteen was it nineteen ninety nine or uh, two thousand? two thousand, yeah. I actually so the copy I got off of A Libras this time is an advanced copy, and it's the first book I've ever seen with a pull quote on the spine, uh, where the San Francisco Chronicle describes it as unadulterated fun. Uh, uh, would y'all agree that this book is unadulterated
3: fun?
4: No. I'm trying to remember if there's no. any adultery. I don't well, think so.
3: Well, okay, we do open with some sex workers, but nobody actually like does adultery with them. <laughs> We know like... of. Also this book isn't just
2: fun. This is honestly this book honestly I was got one of the things I want to comment on is that it felt a bit like it's a turn for more serious.
4: yeah it is definitely world. darker. Yeah.
3: Yeah, like I had yeah. relatively few jokes I, to like remark on this time I mean, around.
4: There are conspicuous lacks of jokes. Like there are several yeah. points where Vimes has to go into Grim dark mode, because if he makes jokes, then he thinks he's less of a human being.
3: Yeah, or because he's being cut to ribbons by werewolves. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh. Yeah,
0: it's a very, it's a very, like, I think there was a note I made where it was like, this, if, you know, I don't know if it's been a gradual thing or like a, a cliff thing. We also said that uh, Carpe Jugulum was unusually dark, but like, this feels... The furthest from, like, comic fantasy novel that I think we've gotten so far in the Discworld series, it really is just like a fantasy crime novel with the occasional witticism peppered in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Except for all the bits that are set back in Ankh-Morpork, which are (laughs) still very much
3: Discworld. Maybe it's Uh, Ubervold. Like, everything in Ubervold is all serious, but Ankh-Morpork can still be funny.
0: Yes, Probably. But, yeah, really interesting. So, uh, before we get too in the weeds with describing a book that uh, y'all don't know what we're talking about, why don't we hand things over to our expert synoptrix, Bellina, to explain to us uh, exactly what the hell The Fifth Elephant is all about. It's very much about elephants, I'm sure. Uh, definitely not an <laughs> arbitrary title, yeah, definitely not Whatever a title you're...
4: that he just plucked out of the Aether because it was a movie that he liked.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is
2: sort of about elephants, a little bit. Yeah, but
4: smart. I
0: feel like he had to work backwards real hard to wedge in fifth elephant references like, to this. I, yeah. I,
4: I, I feel like this is one of those cases where he made a joke and then figured he was stuck with it.
2: Mm. I See, I think this book is sort of about elephants. There's some stuff there that you could talk about, but... It has nothing to do with the Fifth Element, the movie. the The pun is the part that's just like, "Why'd you do this to me?" There's mm-hmm. nothing there.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: the The plot, like, yeah, I mean, there's the the there is a bit of that to it at least. They go into yeah. it a bit,
5: they,
3: they, but yeah, they do explain what the Fifth Elephant is. But like, yeah, the, the role the, literally the fifth and elephant plays in this book. In the book, has nothing to do with anything that happens at the film, The Fifth Element. Mm-hmm.
1: Well. I would slightly disagree <laughs> because oh. the titular fifth element is love, which is a thing is the only element out of the others in the five that you cannot actually hold in your hand um, or tangentially like give t- to someone. It, it is all a metaphor, mm. but is also very important. Um, and as stated in Hogfather, Um, things like truth and justice would also be in that similar category so the fifth elephant being a thing that is not real but is actually the whole of the thing does thematically connect them not just the pun
2: I'm glad we have you as both the werewolf expert and the movie fifth elephant element expert because (laughs) yeah I've seen it like
5: once
3: (laughs) in that case uh, love wins Congratulations, yeah. everyone. That
0: yes, was but synopsis. this book, I feel like this book would have been better with a ruby rod in it. I'm sorry. Yeah. It would have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would have A added lot of some movies levity. are improved by a ruby rod. Uh. Vimes That's would have true.
4: absolutely appreciated if this was a movie where the antagonist and the protagonist never met one another.
0: Yeah, I will say, though, this book isn't the fifth element. But this book, for long stretches of it, is kind of diehard. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is wild. Yeah? I could very easily see a Bruce Willis led
4: movie adaptation of you this. Could, and I mean, I, like, I, I, like, I say this with no pleasure at all, but you could make Bruce Willis play a pretty decent vibes. Yeah, no. Yeah.
3: I, I, I maybe it's because I just watched uh, Die Hard's one and three, still great movies. But oh, like, yeah. I when I was reading this, I was kind of imagining a a Willisian vibes. Like, I think he <laughs> like. <laughs> They had the same kind of, like, sarcastic asshole energy when they're going through it. Like, I could absolutely see, like, Vibes going through all this shit without any shoes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a sarcastic bastard, except, although... Except this... he loves his wife, which, yeah. um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, this... Which John McClane would never do. I have a crossbow now. Ho, ho, but, ho. Okay, John McClane loves his wife, but, like, he doesn't really want to put in the work to continue having a
4: wife. Uh... uh. So yeah. anyways
0: So anyways, before so before we <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah before
0: we elaborate on Vimes' marital status, let's talk about that synopsis. Belina, whenever you're ready, feel free to take it away.
4: Yeah. Something is rotten in the state of Uberwald. This is considered to be its natural state, given the tenuous peace between the local dwarves, werewolves, and vampires, but with a new low-king of the dwarves set to be crowned, there's treachery afoot. The local werewolf clan, coincidentally Anguas' family, is effectively led by Wolfgang von Uberwald, are planning on messing up the ceremony by messing with a scone of stone, a 15th-century-old loaf of dwarf bread upon which the king sits. To begin, they steal a replica loaf from the Aquaport dwarf. Dwarf M- Red Museum, and have a replica of a replica made. In his typical fashion, the patrician sends Vimes under the guise of simply attending cor- the coronation, saddled with an assassin dis- disguised as a clerk. Don't worry, the assassin gets killed before he really does anything more important than carry Chekhov's crossbow. With Vimes out of town, an interim captain needs to step up. Carrot is initially selected, but he promptly abandons his post to go chase after Anqua whose family is, again, at the center of this whole conspiracy thing. This leads to Colin being given the job in Carrot's stead. It goes fine, don't worry about it. Getting to the town of, I'm sorry, Brianque, after a short, random encounter with bandits just outside, Vimes is introduced to the local powers, the future Low King, and confirms that not only was the real scone stolen, but its ceremonial guard was nowhere near as foolproof as as was advertised. Without it, the dwarf law falls apart, and civil war is all but assured. Later framed for, attempting a, for an attempt on the king's life that he did not commit, Vimes is briefly thrown into prison and clearly set up to get himself killed. Thankfully, he manages to get out, out of that jam, only to be thrown into a worse one, rescued from that one, and thrown into yet another worse one, to... <laughs> finally find himself having to escape from Wolfgang and his pack in The Game, w- in which he's rescued by Carrot and Angla. Despite everything, Vine spends a lot of this book on the back foot. Of course, cybele was taken into custody at the same time as Vimes, and is being held effectively hostage by the werewolves again. cybele escapes immediately, but as Vimes has no way to know this, he leads an assault on the castle of Baron Uberwald. Wolfgang is seemingly defeated at significant cost, and the replica of the, replica of the scone is recovered. It turns out that the, the quote, real scone of stone was destroyed, rather than stolen, and, and that everything since then, has been a copy of a copy of a copy as well. The real one fell apart uh, well over a thousand years ago It has been replaced several times. Like most forms of government, it is all made up anyways. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Wolfgang makes one more final desperate attack just before the coronation, killing an innocent Igor and being chased halfway across Biog before, before catching a loaded mortar round with his teeth. He dies as he lives, biting off more than he can chew. The coronation itself goes smoothly. This delegation is sent back to ankh Pork where they can get things fixed up before Sible and Vimes get back from the second honeymoon. Hey, I think I they just over lost that... the game? Sorry. I think that's the most I've tripped up on one of these in a while. That's, oh, that's fine. There's
1: a, a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot.
0: It's it's a real uh, puzzle box of a book.
4: It was actually very huh. hard to take that one apart because everything happens at the same time and the threads are so tangled up that how mm-hmm. do you how do you present them linearly? Yeah,
0: I just think that it was a really like as I kind of slightly get into before, I feel like it was really like a well tied together mystery, uh, mm-hmm. in the sense also that like the mystery at the center of it. Well, the like the kind of the two connected mysteries, which is like the the scone of stones theft and also the murder of uh, Mister Shonky, the rubber uh, the, the condom man. manufacturer, the condom Mr. guy, Mister Uh Yes.
1: Uh, uh, I listened to the they actually so, like, if I pronounce stuff differently from you, that's what the audiobook says. Um,
4: yeah, the audiobook's gonna okay. be better at this than we are. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah,
0: like, it's interesting that those weren't necessarily very big mysteries or very complex mysteries. Mm-hmm. It was really more like the giant catamari of politics and intrigue and ideology that sort of accreted around them that forms the uh the twists and turns of the book
4: every single party was involved in what was going on and had a hand in it but for for vastly different reasons with vastly different aims
2: Mm -hmm. yeah there Mm -hmm. wasn't really like a these people are just here to make jokes except for back in ankh Morpork, which we only really see a couple of times like most of the characters that we're introduced to and the people who do things do actually show up in an important way or at least have something relevant to do. And that's better than I can say for a lot of Discord books. Mm-hmm. The mystery itself yeah. is pretty simple. Yeah, like, like it's... it's If you're reading this book, you figure out that they made a copy of it like within the first,
4: I don't know, 50 pages or so. It's yeah. really obvious. Everyone but, makes that connection. Yeah. But that the, then mm-hmm. the question becomes... Well, fuck. Then why?
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's it's not a question of like, did that happen or was he killed for that reason. It's okay. You know what's happened basically. Why did it happen? Who did this? Who's yeah, like, going about? It? Who killed the guys in the tower? Who killed the who killed Vimes's guard? Obviously, it's probably the werewolves. Why do the why are the werewolves doing this? Is it that like what's going on? Is an interesting question throughout most of the book.
3: Yeah, like it's- investigating the murder of. Wallace sonkey is, like, for most of the book, just a pretense for Vimes to be, like, doing police work outside of Ankh-Warp work. And he says as much. He's like, you know, I'm investigating a murder. That's why that's why I'm doing cop shit right now. And it works yeah, well. I f- it, it, it it works really well, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's exciting and fun. How did y'all feel about the characterization of Vimes in this book? Because I feel like he really hit a turning point in... uh. In this volume, I think just because, like, in every previous Vimes book, even with Jingo, even though half of that book he spent outside of Ankh-Morpork, uh, he's really—most of it has been about him being a city guy doing city things in the city and kind of acting within his element. And any opposition he faces is other people trying to tell him that he can't be a copper— and him basically trying to push back and say, no, I define what policing is this way, through my actions. With this, he doesn't have the ability to be a a cop until the very end. Uh, and so he's, he's really been unmoored and kind of had to learn about... We, we really get to see a side of Vimes that's a little less varnished with authority and with uh, delegation than in previous books I think that's really interesting that uh, he's so in out of his depth he sucks at being an ambassador he hates it uh, and also like he sucks at being an ambassador not because he's like bad at it but just because he doesn't he doesn't have time or patience to play the little like, court-entry games and, mm-hmm. like, lie networks that everybody else has so clearly been playing for decades here. Uh, he, and that was why veterinary sent him, so that he could basically, like, set everybody else off balance. But yeah. uh, I feel like seeing him in such stark relief to different surroundings like this uh, really kind of helps refine exactly who he is. I don't know if we could have gotten the Vimes in Nightwatch or, you know, later books, if that hadn't sort of been refined in this book.
1: I think it's also... Um, this is when Sybil is the most involved in the plot since Guards, Guards. Um, yeah! And that yeah. helps... Um, change his outlook on what's going on because that is a, pl- this is a place where Sybil is better. She's still not appreciated for her skills cause they are soft skills, but, um, she is, um, helping him see the bigger picture. Um,
0: I- God. Yeah. She saves I- his ass like at
4: least twice in this book. <laughs> I actually really appreciated the scene where, you know, she, where she goes, look, Sam, I, I did all the measurements today and something's wrong here. And she just because, look, I I measured and these carpets don't line up with the actual dimensions of the embassy. And her she, she breaks K-Fape breaks and goes, Sam, please think like a copper for a moment. And he just <laughs> immediately goes, oh, shit, there's a secret passage.
3: Yeah, yeah. Please think like a cop and not like my husband for a second. Yeah, this is
0: some House of Leaves shit. Come on, man. <laughs> this is the book that really makes them,
2: I don't know, work as a couple in a real way. I kept i kept reading and just being like, yeah, I get why these two people love each other so much. I get why these two people are so close and care about each other. How they work well together. Uh, how they pick up each other's slacks, yeah.
0: In previous books, Sybil's been like nothing more than kind of a footnote. She's just been like, oh yeah, the lady who, who Vimes lives with, who's the old ball and chain, whatever. But in this, it's like, oh... You get how they complement each other. You get that, like, mm-hmm. Vimes would have a way worse time here and probably also would have a way worse time at home if not for her kind of being his counterpart. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And like I the, think
1: that this. part of that is it points out that her soft skills are unappreciated by most people, but they are necessary parts of life.
2: Yeah, there's the moment early on. There's the moment early on where the uh, the, the the Baroness like is immediately just dismissive of Sybil in a really specific way. That's like, oh, uh, she's the supportive person that always sends a card, even though she never gets one back. You can tell that she sucks from that, and it's obviously intended to make you go. And no, actually, that makes me like her more and understand what sort of an asshole you are. And it it's just part of the thing that really sets her up to be like, okay. Her, she has skills here. She knows what she's doing. She cares. She's she's good at this.
4: I want to put in a call out specifically for like when she's when she's being held hostage at the castle. She just immediately escapes, and it doesn't matter that she did. Like it did, <laughs> Like plot wise, it makes no difference whether she had already gotten out or not. But mm-hmm. it was a chance for her to just actually have agency and actually be active in what's going on. That, like, Vines gets there and then she just sort of trots out because she's already gotten herself free.
0: Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Like, she's already been chained to a rock in front of a dragon. Like, this really isn't that big of a deal for her to, to uh, finagle an escape from.
2: God, it's just yeah. good to see her being so fun and exciting and interesting. I love just her so much. This is the Sybil that I always loved. This <laughs> is the Sybil and that like, yeah. made I me call... be like, Vimes and Sybil are one of my favorite couples in fiction, and getting to see her in her element and doing all that. Yes, that exactly. Like, the, the fact
4: that like, she knew what was going on in all of the social situations and was able to help Vimes guide... you know bumble through it was just beautiful we get we again we see her soft skills actually being vitally important yeah like Mm -hmm.
3: vimes is dead on his feet and like has barely any idea what's going on because he's half dead been attacked by werewolves been up straight running for his life like all day and you know but she's there to like hold the low king's feet to the fire and get the fat mining agreement that there is the actual reason they're here allegedly even mm-hmm. though that's kind of a, you kind of forget about that. what well,
4: with everything else going on, what's important is that yeah. not that we forgot about it, yeah. but that she didn't. Yeah, yeah, that
3: she like, oh well, you know, I I had a chance to read everything, and you know,
0: yeah. I was under house arrest anyway, so I figure why not just be a fucking spy? I
4: guess. <laughs> like our our actual spy got killed, you know, half a book ago. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A thing that I'd also like to point out and this goes into Sybil's softer skills going unappreciated um a lot of the skills that Sybil has as far as remembering shit like knowing everybody knowing, keeping up with what's going on those small details Carrot also does all that but when people Comment on it in carrot. It's oh, cause he's kingly or whatever. Like it's his mm-hmm. supernatural presence or whatever. But when it's Sybil doing it, it gets dismissed. And I think that that is interesting commentary. Mm-hmm. On
3: yeah, it's it's made pretty clear that like when when carrot does it, it's as you said, it's kingly, it's charismatic, it makes him a good leader. But when but when Sybil does it, it's because she's nice and easy to take advantage of. Or yeah. that's the impression people get. It's maybe very clear that it's not actually true, but. Mm-hmm.
5: <sighs> she's yeah. so
2: good in this book. She's just so fucking good. I love her.
3: Uh, you love to. See I it.
2: love the scene where she does the opera. I love yeah! the scene where she goes. Where, where first she's like shown enjoying the opera so much and is genuinely excited about it, like. <sighs> So Terry
0: got to use that last little bit of opera knowledge that he uh, didn't get to put into masquerade into this one.
4: <laughs> uh. You know, it's 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 weird that that was like this whole long extended ring cycle thing, and yet that I'm just realizing there wasn't a single note about that in the L space annotations. Yeah,
3: L space huh. annotations for this are weird. Like, there's three things explaining the whole Chekhov reference for the three sports. I didn't get
4: like. It right. Put, yeah. To realize that, going, that, oh, that, right. That was. The guy with the gun. Uh, he did other things. Hmm. He. Yeah. yeah he. There. There was a bunch of extensive stuff about that. It mentioned that Inigo Skimmer wasn't a fucking reference, you idiot. It's just a couple of names. <laughs> but yeah. it was like weirdly sparse this time, which you know means nothing in, in terms of the book. It's just they don't just even suddenly po- realizing these yeah. gaping holes.
3: They don't even point out the reference in the title. Like they don't even. Mentioned the Fifth Element.
2: It also that's weird. That is weird. But also, it might just be like as we said, there aren't as many jokes in this book.
3: This book yeah. isn't
2: mm-hmm. as funny. There's not like a ton of haha, isn't it funny? I referenced yeah, your favorite like, thing here.
3: I would. I noticed a few things they missed, and I could talk about that later if need be. But like, mm-hmm. you know, there was like they're inventing the traffic camera at the start, or like they invented the Denver boot, but then Ankhor pork, or like, you know. That's the sort of thing they usually mention. It's weird that they didn't. Yeah. Or the there's a fucking Enigma machine reference in this. That yeah. Oh my god! I at screamed off. at or, that. Or that the clacks are like, which the first time the clacks show up, are like of like actual telegram towers back in the day. Like, yeah, that was just a real thing that they brought into Discworld.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Ah. Uh. Yeah.
0: I was gonna say also, there's less like. There's less jokes in that there's less specifically parodic content in this book too. Like, you know, it's still like a, this is a twist on fantasy book, but a lot of the world building that happens in this book is very much more like, it's less like, oh, you know how this works. Well, here's a little funny twist on it. And more like actual, like some actual work has been put into it. I really liked the... The concept of like, well, okay, uh, like dwarves were really taken to some logical conclusions here that I thought were really interesting mm-hmm. in the whole concept of like, so here's why the deep dwarves dress like that. Here's the original role that men played in society. Uh, here's why they only, they tend to, when they tend to discuss things, they tend to discuss things in small groups and then sort of break apart and bring those Conclusions to other groups to talk about instead of just getting together in one big thing. Here's why they're so hung up on laws and stuff. Uh, just a whole lot of the whole. I mean, it makes sense because it was like the book is about dwarven culture. But I was just really impressed that they didn't. They. If, like, this were the Terry of maybe, like, ten or even five years ago, he would have fallen back on way more jokes about, like, oh, yeah, uh, quaffing and gold and all that other bullshit, Uh, hi-ho, hi-ho. There were, like, a few things about that, but most of it was all new, and it was all, like, it really helped fill in this really interesting culture that is unidentified like like extremely unmistakably not like not human culture but runs parallel to it while being shaped by the environment that it formed in
4: hmm. we're very much elbow deep in the point of the series where terry's got, okay I've, I've told i've told the the obvious jokes now how the fuck do i make any of this work <laughs> and we're getting into the serious world building. We're getting the implications of stuff. We're getting yeah, like Grace mentioned, the Clax Towers are in, and I could have sworn those came like ten books later, to be honest with you. Yeah, me too. Cause they they're just one of they're they're one of the keystones of just the modern discworld stuff.
0: Yeah, like you could you could draw a line between the clax towers don't exist and the clax towers exist. More so because they don't actually get their own book for like there's no uh, going Postal type book where somebody has the idea and it's like, oh, we well, should so do this. What's
1: interesting though is Going Postal is the Clax book because, yeah. and it's good that they are introduced now because um, when you get to Going Postal, the problem is not their invention. The problem is we need them now, but capitalism has turned them into a monopoly. Um, yep. Mm hmm.
4: You're very much seeing them being operated as a monopoly. Because Vimes notes several times about how there is so much money involved in this that if anything goes wrong, a lot of money is going to come down on somebody's head.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and right now, these are the owners um, who lose it to the people that turn it into a monopoly right before going postal.
3: Which, you know...
4: Hey, we saw that in real life. We have... Uh, yeah, you know. but This is they're not quite Bell Telephone Company yet, but yeah. they're getting there.
3: Which, I mean, it, mm-hmm. maybe you could argue that something like the telecommunications system is kind of a natural monopoly, but, you know, you have to regulate that sort of thing.
2: What? You're saying that Pratchett's eventual book where he's going to go really, really in-depth on his thoughts about, like, telecommunications companies and the internet and generally do a bunch of programming jokes is going to have, like... Him being mad at telecommunications
0: companies? I don't think that'll happen
2: in Going Postal.
0: No way! I think
2: it'll be all about how great AT&T is. <laughs> uh, looking forward to it. You're going to like that one. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah, excited. That's, this is,
1: that's going to be
0: the grace book, yeah.
1: Unfortunately, no one says hack the planet in uh, that book. No,
0: but I feel like if he had only had just a few more years, we could have gotten a Discworld Cyberpunk book.
1: Clack Uh, the Planet,
3: perhaps?
0: Instead of just getting Clack the Planet, oh my god. If we were the kind of podcast that had merch, oh baby, Uh, oh baby.
3: I mean, never too late to start.
0: It's tempting.
2: It's true. It's tempting.
0: Mm. (sighs) Uh, But yeah. Speaking of dwarves, uh, really, I mean, I think that one of the big reasons we've been excited to talk about this book coming up is because it's also the most transgender book as of yet in yeah! the Discord series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got to talk so about Shuri. Trans
3: dwarves. Uh,
0: we we, we got to talk about dwarf genders. We got to talk about those fucking pronouns. We got to talk idea. about how city dwarves are getting fucking soy pilled and beta
4: cucked. Uh, I had to leave all of that out of the summary because it would have added, like, two entire minutes to it.
3: (laughs) And and this book hits the ground running, not even with dwarf gender stuff, but with Nobby being trans again. Yeah! Yeah! I kind of forgot that was a running thing. He just loves making Nobby now just
0: cross-dresses. It's no big thing.
3: It's whatever. Like, like there's a whole thing where Nobby is like, well, it seems rude to make the woman, you know, be the bait for vice stings. So obviously I would do it. Like,
1: and uh, no, I got, like, I gotta weird, do it
3: right. There's some weird implication that Nabi invented being gender non conforming, at least in Ogpopork.
1: I mean, mm. he's species non conforming, so it makes sense that he would also be gender non conforming.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is Nabi Tharian? Discuss.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. We don't even need like, to get I into that I can of can worms. I can't do it.
2: I mean, like, I will also say, uh, I think that cross-dressing is funny is just kind of deeply embedded in the British psyche in a specific way. Like, as someone who's seen a little bit of Doctor Who and a lot of Monty Python and a lot Mm -hmm. of other comedies and things, you just keep getting hit with random cross-dressing jokes where they're not even jokes. They're just a guy wearing a dress to the point that it's not even like... It's not even like the, isn't this gross and weird? It's just like... And now, for our next part, we'll have a guy wearing a dress, and that's just part of this sketch. It's not the joke, of course. That, that's just yeah. something you have to do here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can't get into that, because I'm not British enough.
3: <laughs> now, yeah, like, It's definitely oh boy, a British sure humor of a certain age thing.
0: Yeah, Britain is everything, like, okay? Is there something you want to talk about no, with uh, us? I, I, <laughs> it's not no. okay.
4: Uh. Now, I do, we've said this on previous episodes, but, like, Pratchett has gone on record that he the idea of... The, he didn't even think about the transgender implications of dwarves discovering, you know, the fairer sex. Yeah. That it, it is not something that ever occurred to him. He was delighted that people latched on to it, but he wasn't doing any of it intentionally. If mean, he wasn't doing that intentionally, he sure as shit wasn't doing it for knobs. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And yet, but, like, that, that's what happens when you, like do the sort of thing with first principles but you treat it with like respect and yeah it feels weird to call I, it humanism when it's fictional dwarves but you know as people uh, the author like is I dead said, is like they even have the self. fucking like they even like someone comes out to vines and he's like i'm gonna make a lot of mistakes and, like it's the exact fucking conversation i've had with my everyone i've come out to jesus christ
4: yeah no <laughs> it just
3: does it for first principles yeah I, I i'm not saying he
4: didn't do it i'm saying he didn't yeah. set out to do it
3: no it's it's wild and like you love to see it like a plus terry you did it
4: yeah Eventually, i think it's he
2: like discover trans masculinity from first principles and that's gonna be mm-hmm. a great time
0: oh i can't wait for monstrous regiment that's gonna be such a good episode so
1: uh... that that one is at least more intentional um yeah mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. but yeah i just I feel like not only not only like is it did I really enjoy uh sherry's whole arc in this, but also I love that she got more characterization in general like that's mm-hmm. that's the other great thing is that just because like this is like a central core thing about the book and this is central to her being in the book, like she also like. We get more screen time from her, or page time, than we ever have before. And, you know, she's she has this, like, really, like, sharp eye for details and a quick mind that we haven't been able to really see as much in previous books. She's got an incredible sense of empathy. Like, at the end of the book, like, finding out the whole plot behind, like, the reason why D planned this whole, like, scheme to destroy the stone and Throw uh, dwarf kind into war and shit was because uh, D thought that city dwarves were getting too weak and soft and shit, and finding out that this is born out of like D's own deep seated self loathing and shame about
3: and gender- her gender own identity.
0: gender identity, and like for Sherry to be like, "Yo, I gotta fucking talk with her. This yeah. is." This isn't something that we should be like, this is, this is important. We, we, I I know how she feels like she kind of got worked up and went and turned this into something bad, but like, you know, she still deserves to have somebody to talk this out with and to like, think about this with like, that's so like fucking, fucking trans rights, yo, that's some, Mm -hmm. that's some hella shit. And of course, because that she means is a,
2: lot. a member of the Ankh Morpork City Watch, who is are all a little bit of a bastard, she does use this to interrogate her. Let's yeah, make it clear. Yeah. Yeah, she does. I was do waiting well, for a chance to which draw. Which, like, like, doesn't necessarily detract from her wanting to have that conversation, but it is very funny.
3: Yeah. Of like, yes. oh, by the way, you know, here's a list of pe- here's a list of names she named while I was comforting her. Uh, you know, I fix a. Topics of conversation
0: she also does the whole like fucking she even does the whole uh trans femme butch horseshoe thing at the end of the book and it's like you know what i don't really need to wear like incredible amounts of feminine clothing literally all the time yeah. to be comfortable in my own femininity i can just like express myself how i want and if people can't catch up with that they can go piss up a rope which is like yeah, every trans femme gets to that point eventually, where it's like I'm going to decide how I do this right. because
4: the, the right to do I something can't... is also the right to not do something.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do
1: like um, her ridiculously sequined outfit that we get. Yes. Yeah, Vague descriptions. Like, God. Of, but not. <laughs> She, yeah, she, she made the right call. She absolutely she made the, the right call to spinny.
4: not wear that to the coronation.
3: Like, she even does the skirt-go-spinny thing. Come on.
1: Yes! Yes!
5: Yeah.
3: Uh, she's yeah. so wonderful. Uh, also, uh, Girl King? Like, Girl King! <laughs> like, when they're all at the coronation at the end, and the, king, the freshly coronated Low King is giving everyone gifts and favors, like, the Girl King the king like implies like well you know you'll have to give me the name of your dressmaker because i've i've had some thoughts you know and it got me to think about we that we stand a girl king you know okay. yeah it got me to also- think about that tumblr post where richard nixon says like you know i think every young boy wonders like what if i'd been born the opposite gender and henry Kissinger are like no no we don't that's not a universal experience <laughs>
5: Um, Richard
2: I, admittedly Richard Nixon said a lot of really fucking weird shit I yeah. I do th- I, I, I want to listen there's probably a podcast out there somewhere that's just weird shit Richard Nixon said and yeah god god I would listen I, I want to listen I, to that
1: I will say you do get more girl king later
3: oh,
4: yeah. oh good hell yeah I, literally I to- a girl boss I, I do want to at least also point out that even if Sherry didn't wear the didn't wear the dress, she did put on makeup, and the king very specifically compliments her on that.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's good. It, it it her thing is really good. There's some interesting stuff with dwarf society in this book that I kept thinking about. That's
0: kind of a bit of an extended rant. I don't I don't want to. How so? Um, I mean this. This is a podcast. It is an extended this, rant. This
1: is the time for the extended rant.
0: Well, how yeah, much do you know on.
2: about Tolkien's conception of the dwarves, and
0: specifically Tolkien's conception of the dwarves and how it relates to Judaism? I do not know much. I did. I I did think there was something like. I not think I
2: entirely see un- going with so, this, but <laughs> about this, uh, yeah. is, the thing about this is, well, there's a lot of stuff that I could say, like. Oh, it's well. Maybe it's inspired by this. Uh, Tolkien actually stated this. He actually said that that was his inspiration on a number of things related to how he wrote the dwarves in *Lord of the Rings*. Uh, It it, it's a really it's a you could dive into it for a while. Like I mean, Tolkien and race has been explored over and over forever. But like he specifically he based their language on uh, Semitic languages. He based some of their aspects on less flattering stereotypes and some on what I can only call flattering stereotypes. It's (laughs) complex. It's very much, he kind of built it inspired by Jewish people in some ways that are rather small minded in some ways that are rather admirable in terms of how he viewed it. Like he definitely thought jewish people are cool and that's why i'm doing this so it's really fucking complicated
4: not to get too far into it but there are some signs that pratchett was doing a little bit of the same thing
2: yeah there's there's elements of it in this book that felt very similar like the whole division between like uh dwarves as Adapting to newer the ways of doing things, dwarfs is like a uh, changing, and not not, not changing the rules. I believe that but-
1: Pratchett did talk about this. He did, um, because it's, he says that it's not specifically Jude Judaism or Jewish people. Um, he said that it was kind of because there's such broad strokes. Um, there's a little bit of. Uh, judaism but it's more about immigrants in general um Mm -hmm. because he has also had um arabic readers recognize their culture in dwarves so it's kind of um he's not specifically going for jewish people but um he understands why people are pulling that yeah, that that makes a lot that of makes sense. sense.
2: And like, I think it, I think it's one of those things where there's there's a lot of other stuff too. Like the scone of stone is uh, the, the, the the what's it called again? The scone a, of stone. The scone of stone, which is a reference yeah, okay, to the yeah.
4: stone of scone, Yeah. which yeah, is, yeah, does yeah. not make it any easier to remember. Right, and that's that's yeah. Scottish, right? Yeah, yes. it's yes. Scottish, but you know, like everything else, the English grabbed it and called it theirs. Yeah, right. but
3: I was on like permanent low. They did meet back, it last year in
5: Edinburgh.
2: It's it's just a strange thing where because there are elements of, like, if you're going to tell a story about immigrants, about people in a land, oftentimes those stories end up with a lot of elements of, like, Jewish people because there's a lot of Jewish immigrants who don't, who have gone all over the world. That's a thing. And, like, also the fact that dwarves do have this history and how they're conceived, uh, which, I mean, not to defend Tolkien, but I will say... In his defense, (laughs) uh, a lot of the much worse parts of their characterization definitely came from other later fantasy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Dungeons (laughs) and Dragons. But like, you get this kind of meeting point where by telling a story that's very much about like divisions in culture, about immigration, and wanting to return to "Quote unquote," the homeland where things are done traditionally, and that's how they should be, and all of that stuff. It you end up putting the metaphors more at the front, and it's interesting. I genuinely, I I don't fully know how to feel about it. It, it it's really interesting. I I'd like to hear more from someone who has more experience with uh, Judaism than me, because I'd be curious.
4: It's complex.
1: I was raised Catholic, so I can't help you here. Yeah,
4: yeah. Unfortunately, we, despite everything, this podcast has um, surprising amounts of overlap in our in our um, childhoods. Yeah,
0: we're homogenous in some ways, listeners. If you are, uh, if you grew up in uh, a religion or orthodoxy or cultural background or some fashion this is this is so vague this could be a lot of things readers if you have thoughts let us know
4: we always want more viewpoints we need to be called out on our bullshit once again
2: i want to make it clear like this isn't a criticism of the book like i think it i think it honestly makes the book a lot stronger a lot of these elements because they give a depth to dwarf culture that otherwise might not have existed they they give an amount Mm -hmm. of like the elements of, like, here's how the, uh, like, the the whole thing with the deep-down dwarves and the, what are they called? The the knockers? The,
3: the knock- yeah. Yeah. knockerman The
2: knockermen. Yeah. Like, the, those guys, uh, that, that whole aspect of it is, like, a really interesting bit of culture that really develops dwarven culture in Discworld oh, in a way that, like, mm-hmm. makes them so much more interesting. Like, and I think a lot of the little elements that he obviously relied on definitely make the books better and make this book better. But it's a it's a coincidence when it all comes together like this that I just kept it's, noting as I read the book.
1: The, the knocker men are especially interesting because that's a folklore thing. Oh? Um, the knockers um, are a gnome creature from Welsh uh, myth um that um it's supposed to be like they warn you if a mine is in danger um so mm-hmm. it's inter- it, it makes sense that he would take that name for a folklore thing and give it this special role in dwarven culture um that's cool yeah I mean,
4: um the, the practice and the um mentality of it is you know just just straight up how that worked from what i understand of you know you yes you get weird pockets of gas down there and you have to get rid of them somehow and there's unfortunately no better way to do it than just finding as safe a way as possible to ignite it and stay well back yeah
1: but yeah so like knockers are like a mine specific folklore thing to explain people hearing weird noises when they're down in a mine um
4: yeah absolutely
0: yeah, I just thought it was cool that they have like a whole role yeah. for that that's kind of become a ersatz shaman class because they're down there in the dark and they're so – they have they have to hone their senses really carefully and they're inches from death and like people revere what they have to say. And then suddenly somebody comes along and is like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, we invented a new thing that just uh, makes this totally safe and you don't have to do this anymore. And it's going to save so many more lives, and it's going to help us mine so much better. So it's like, great that people aren't going to die now, but also that removes a bunch of the cultural significance of this role. You literally you know?
4: just killed a god.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for, for good reasons, too. Like, for, yeah, no, for it's, very it's like, justified
4: reasons. You, you can't... Th- but, yeah, there's no... There's no- there is no moral argument to not using this invention, and that's unfortunately the problem. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. It's it's really interestingly complex. I, I really loved the dwarven culture here. It was one of my favorite parts of the book. Uh, mm. I love <laughs> I love how many operas they have, and I love that like, a Pratchett in a lot of the previous books has been like, look at these people's art forms. Aren't they kind of fucking stupid? <laughs> and like in this book. He does that, but he does it through the eyes of Vimes, who you know is like that. And meanwhile, Sybil is right there being like, no, this is fantastic. You just don't get it, yeah. you uncultured and swine.
0: It's so beautiful. <laughs> this really is one of,
3: one of the greatest that,
0: pieces of music ever made. Yeah.
3: And not only that, saves the day through <laughs> opera appreciation. Mm-hmm.
2: It's so good. It works really, really well.
3: I, I really liked
1: that book. Uh, I'm going to correct myself about the knockers because I just Googled it. Uh, They're not Welsh. <laughs> they are Cornish. Um, but Welsh have a similar thing called a cobbling now. So um, yeah. oh. just so you guys don't get letters. Um, I'm <laughs> right. actually you. Um, so, mm-hmm.
3: Wales, please be nice to us. If you'd like to write us different letters about knockers, please do. Seems like a
0: lovely uh, part of the island. Uh, Cardiff seems delightful uh hello all our welsh listeners
3: i have a friend in cardiff who i don't think listens to this hi oh
0: hi um but yeah that was that was really fun also i gotta i gotta give a shout out to uh my homie and one of my perennial favorite characters in discworld detritus got a lot of screen time in this book as well and he's so good He's so good at this fucking so book! Good. Oh my god. I uh,
1: really like when the scene where there's the stuffed troll head on the wall, and Detritus is like, well, this is my grandma's cup made from a human skull. Um, yeah, yeah.
3: We, we all do it.
4: We don't do it anymore, but you know. This, this shit sucks, but like, it wasn't either of us, so what are you gonna do?
3: Yeah, like, everyone did it, uh, we don't do it anymore, and that's the important thing. Yeah. <laughs> And I like uh, I,
1: that that's a good setup to the other stuffed heads that uh, aren't on the wall conspicuously mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, later on. Yeah,
4: the,
3: the application like, oh shit, we have copy, we should take down the stuffed, this guy. Human head. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's also implied that, so the Ankh-Morpork folks aren't doing it anymore. But the werewolves are, because... Yeah, they super are. It's not yeah. like the rest of the wall is faded because there's a thing that's been there for a long time that they just moved. They can't tell, did they just take them down, or are they about to put them up? Um, mm. So, Yeah. Um, and not everyone has stopped. Um, yeah, the, the point. A, a lot of the
3: book plays with, like... The modern Ankhmor pork attitudes about this sort of thing contrasting with the quote older ways of Ubervald.
4: okay and that yet yeah, that is actually something that we need to call out here yeah, is the that fact th- that the, the king goes, you keep saying the modern way, you mean ankhmore pork's way
3: yeah they even there's <laughs> even a thing I wrote down da- I wrote down aukpo pork twinning kink because someone describes ak pork yes! as a vampire that bites cultures and turns them into itself this mm-hmm. is
2: honestly something I find really fascinating because it's something Pratchett struggled with a lot as time went on was his kind of there's the two elements of on the one hand I see England as better than these places because he did like let's be real he did he he saw England as more civilized and more advanced than the rest of the world in most ways. We've we've read the rest of his catalog. And we know that's something that he definitely thought on some level. Maybe that changed as time went on, but I don't think he ever really got fully rid of it. But then also his understanding of they aren't good and they are colonizers and they are doing that to the world and they are destroying things as they do this. And it's one of the big problems I have with Ankh Morpork in general in Discworld is that he struggles a lot to talk about ankh being kind of a colonizing force to the rest of the mm-hmm. world, replacing cultures with their own, destroying what it finds in the pursuit of capital in these places. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But ankh doesn't have a colonial history. It doesn't have like it doesn't have England's years of looting the world in an evil fucking way. It doesn't have England as a power. It doesn't have any of the history of England. It's just some place. Yeah. It, and it's, it's, it, it's always w-
3: made... Yeah, and it's made weirder by the fact that Angkorport doesn't have a standing army. Like, right. England would, like, go park troops in a place. Angkorpoor, uh prefers the more neoliberal, like, you know, conquest through capital, which right. is... It's-
2: it's jumping right to neoliberalism. It's jumping right there without any of the history of colonialism before that, and then struggling to talk about colonialism. And I'm like, well, yeah. okay, the, the, here's part of the reason why. Yeah, it, yeah, It's one of the many things that I think just kind of put a weird element on Discworld. And one of the things that he obviously struggles with a lot, because... When you remove that, you you can't say, well, maybe the reason that your country is so quote unquote advanced is because you've been looting every fucking country in the world for the past hundreds of years in an evil fucking way, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like you can't say that they're just another place. What makes them better? And the conclusion is
4: kind of just that Pratchett likes England. But yeah, we we do get. It's, some- it's weird because. Vimes struggles with this. Yeah. Because he, he he keeps pointing out, well, so why the hell is everybody leaving your country and coming to Ankhmer Pork? And at no point is an answer ever really given. Yeah.
2: It's it's one of the big questions of Discworld, that I don't think he ever came up with a good answer to, to be frank. I don't yeah. think he ever solved.
1: It's, um... DS9 does a better job answering than... Discworld ever does, um, Mm -hmm. because the vampire metaphor from The Low King is a lot similar to, um, Quark explaining that Starfleet is like root beer, um, in that it's, once you, like, get a taste of it, even if you don't like it, it ends up everywhere, and then I guess I'm drinking it, um... And it works better in DS9 because Starfleet does um, try to do only people that are coming willingly, um, but only if you accept these terms. Um, So it's, like, more balanced when people join the Federation, but you can understand why someone would still not be a fan of it.
3: Starfleet is also, like... A military force, like yes, they're very like lovey-dovey, mm-hmm. touchy-feely, liberal about, but they they still have a navy. They still have guns. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They right. will yeah. still
3: show up at your doorstep with you know battleships if they need to. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Which uh Port can't really do, but it's right. because they don't it have feels, to.
0: It feels to me like it's more implied that people keep moving to Anchorage, Port for. Two big reasons, and one is you make more money there, and two is uh, people aren't always actively trying to murder you as a matter of class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it like feels like Ankh it's very.
1: P- to From Uberworld to Ankh Morpork, they are more equal as far as classism.
0: Yeah, there's but- still like a huge, like, like wealth gap and there's still a power struggle going on in Ackmore Pork, but it's it's a different power struggle and that if you if you've lived your whole life in the old country where uh mm. that power structure has existed for hundreds of years then maybe a shake-up starts to look pretty good
5: yeah. you know it, there's a
0: lot it, of like kind of like late uh 19th century like let's immigrate to New York type shit going it's on there also, too, you
1: know? Um, we never really hear about people moving from Genua to Ankh-Morpork. Um, mm. And I think, like, if it was specifically Überwald's um, problem rather than like, because of their class structure, then it becomes a comment on the class structure um where if, if it was every nation then it becomes a different conversation
3: we um, also we, we also get like clatch immigrants talk pork pork but it,
5: yeah
1: but, but we don't, we don't get really as explore many, why like they, they specifically yeah, stay say there's more people from Uberwald than yeah yeah and from clatch
3: my
2: yeah yeah, yeah. My, my point is just Pratchett wants the Ankh-Morpork is modern England. That's what it is at its core yeah. in a lot of in every way. But it's modern England without any of the history of England. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't exist, and it creates a lot of really weird disconnects. It's yeah. It's it's one of the two big things that this thing book got me thinking about politically, and I'll get to the other one later. Uh, the, the,
3: there, it, it it's there's strange. Also, there's also the thing of like. People move from Ubervald to ankh bor because they're, you know... uh, At the end, with young Igor, who is, uh, you know... It is specifically said that he is, quote, too modern for Überwald because he's, you know, thinks the monarchy is bad. It is, you know... And so there's perhaps the implication that if you are perhaps a girl dwarf or, you know, someone who thinks having a king is bad or, you know, whatever. Any other reasons you may not like the more socially conservative aspects of Uberwald, you might move to Ogbork-Pork because, you know, they are somewhat better in that respect, and the same reason, it, you know, someone in our United States might move to Seattle or whatever. Though it's... That particular metaphor is weird because it's hard to imagine a trans person moving to London uh, in 2023. Yeah. yeah uh, Specifically for, you know, political safety reasons, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And again, that was another reason
0: people emigrated to America from Europe back in the day was because they had political or religious views that were... Inconvenient. uh, Yeah. Yes, incompatible with the current climate back home.
5: Yeah.
0: Uh, But, yeah, interesting. Um. But yeah, Detritus gets some great fucking screen time Love that guy What a homie (laughs) Absolutely great
1: I like when they're talking operas And he just explains the opera house And what it looks like (laughs) I I love like
3: Detritus just like going off like Autistically explaining every inch of the opera house Because he's walked around it so much (laughs) He's the cultural attache
0: He's very efficiently explaining culture
3: Yeah uh, he's probably never what seen or appreciated opera, but he's, he knows that opera house top to bottom.
0: Also, like, absolutely at this point, like, Terry loves writing Detritus as a pretty clever guy who knows that everybody assumes he's a really dumb guy and leans into that, yep. uh, which is, like, his big strength in his job is that, like, he's he's always, like... Despite the fact that he's, like, kind of Vimes' blunt instrument type dude, like, he knows when to, like, when to push that and when to just, like, kind of tactfully not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's great in this book. Loved him. Loved mm-hmm. Sherry. Uh, I loved all the, the Igors. I, yeah. I gotta say, the Igors are, like, fucking mad science gender all over right. the place.
3: Like, they're, they're so—I'm uh, glad we get one of the Watch now, apparently. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I'm so. I just complete with a rabbit named Erie. <laughs> I'm so glad the Igors are like a major part of the story now because like they're so fucking great and they're so. Mm-hmm. I, I love them. I'm so happy. Yeah. We, we get some good you know bits. What? I'm,
4: like uh, I'm yeah. gonna say thank you to Terry for the fact that the one going back to the watch does not lisp except on the last word.
3: Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's very funny how his dad or cousin or whatever is like, yeah, no, sorry about this the speech impediment. And by that, he talks relatively normally.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Where you'll notice not only that, but like other Igors will go out of their way to like, like, say words that will hammer on the speech impediment, like, yeah, he, I vouchsafe the food stuffed off of the carriage. Yeah, like, he,
3: like he, he even Jesus says that him not having the speech impediment, like, limits his employment opportunities in Uber. It's so embarrassing and they, and they, to the
0: whole family.
3: Yeah, and he's like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't believe in the peerage. I don't want to call anyone Martha. Mm-hmm. Uh
4: God, I'm only realizing just, that, he, that he explicitly... Pronounced it that way because he yeah. was being sarcastic. Yeah, it's good.
3: Yeah. Uh, you love
4: that.
0: see great. It. And-, and it gives Terry a useful way to get characters healed up from fights way, yeah. way faster and better in the future. Yeah. Something, much, uh...
3: Much like it. uh... Jojo's bizarre adventure with
0: was literally going to mention Jojo's bizarre adventure. <laughs> yeah, you always got to have that. one character who can use their power to heal, even if it's kind of a weird way. Like even Jolene could stitch up wounds with her body string.
3: Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll notice that after um after Crazy died, he's like, oh, this is really useful to have a character do. I'm gonna do that every time going forward.
0: Yeah, which is how we get hot pants and. Uh, arc 7 with the cream she can spray out of her own yeah. body that seals up cracks in other people's bodies. God,
4: I love Jojo. Jojo's rules.
5: Uh,
4: I relish not understanding a goddamn word of this.
0: Yeah. You, uh, but, uh... Yeah, Igor rules. I love all the Igors. Uh, there's, I'm excited to see more of them. We,
3: we do get some of, like... Überwald as a country, is, as a setting, is like pretty light on shtick, but Igors, you have some of the... They do give us some of the jokes, like um, you know, we do get the like, hey, couldn't you know, I prom. We get one of them saying, oh yeah, I promise I'd lend other Igor a hand. Here it is, it's on ice. Please, you know, yeah. please keep it cold until it gets to mm-hmm. him. Also, there's just a bunch Classic. of there's just
2: a bunch of random. Uh, Pratchett does something that he did in earlier books way too much, where it's just like around the countryside, you see you see stereotype of this thing, random trope like. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the weird guards at the gate who are looking scared because there's a werewolf in charge. Here's Cottage of three ladies who desperately want to a, a, a see a man and are very excited. Uh, he did that a lot in the previous books, where it'd just be like, we're in the vampire land, so now we run into a bunch of funny tropes from Vampire Story, and it's
4: relatively limited here for very much the best. It, yeah. it only happens when there's some goddamn reason for it yeah. to happen.
3: Yeah, like, at least the mm. sisters were apparently a reference to a
4: Russian play. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, they had pants.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
2: honestly did kind of like them. I really loved the end where the one girl's like, are there are there any awful marshes there and and horrible snowy winters? No? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, yeah, like, there's, there's several characters here who, like, when they get news, like, pump their fist in the air, like, punch the air excitedly, which is, like, incongruous but very good, like, which, speaking mm-hmm. of, uh, fucking Countess Ballada. Ye- Margolada. oh yeah. yeah. The first time Oh we, my we, god. When she greets Vibes in her fucking, like, fluffy pink sweater with the, like, the embroidered, like, rats, bats on it, and I'm like, oh. I've met this woman, she's on the Fedivers, I love her. Gender. She's, she's
0: so great. You ever- you ever met a goth who's so goth that they no longer have to prove shit about how goth they are to yeah. anyone?
3: Yes, oh. Iris, we've met.
1: That's very Also, She's like continuing the joke from Carpe Jugulum about the vampire version of goth kids are like yeah. using regular names. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, she's absolutely doing that. But yeah. like she's an old hand at it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. And like she's got a pet rat. She has she rides around in a hearse. She smokes pure black cigarettes mm-hmm. in place of sucking blood. She's she's medals in politics. She's cool. The, like
4: the, again, uh, we need to point addicted. out here: the last time we had vampires that weren't acting like vampires, they were these horrible abominations that we needed to get rid of. But one shows up and is doing even more meddling yeah. in her own way, and we fucking adore her for
2: it. Yeah, just she's not evil. Well, she's yeah, evil, but she, like QVP evil, not like a uh,
4: yeah, yeah. And it's
3: yeah. like, I mean, and it's it's directly drawing a parallel between she doesn't drink blood in the same way that vimes is you know doesn't drink alcohol anymore you know the the comparison Mm -hmm, of
4: oh does drinking animal blood really work well it works about as well as replacing your whiskey with lemonade yeah yeah. is such a good line it's so good Mm -hmm. oh just beautiful this no it really fucking sucks (laughs) but you know exactly why i have to put up with it don't you just Mm -hmm. god that's good writing Mm -hmm. this is
0: this is where we kind of the actual roots of the Black Ribbon Temperance
4: Society later in the books. Yeah, uh, no, she, I mean, she's straight up doing an AA meeting at one point. Yeah, or, which, which could be read as just like a little one-off guy, but no, no, no. This is actually load-bearing lore for yeah. the entire this, rest of the series. Yeah, and again, I've, this
0: becomes a way to yeah, this becomes a way to introduce more vampire characters later in the Discworld series. Grace, just as a not really a spoiler, just as like
3: looking forward to it.
0: basic. Yeah, it's great. There's there's a vampire in the future who I'm very excited for you to meet. Oh, I'm so um, excited. Oh, wait, no, the truth is next, yeah. isn't it?
5: Yep.
2: Yes, oh, it
4: boy. Oh, boy. Yes, it so, yeah, is. For, for once, we get to actually be all super excited about this. And it's like, hey, don't worry about this. You can literally yeah. go read this as soon as we're done recording.
0: You will um, get instant gratification. It's great. <laughs> we are at um, that point
4: now.
3: Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah,
0: we're in the banger streak. Uh, but yeah, so, but yeah, uh, the vampires and the dwarves aren't the only political powers in the area. Uh, we also need to talk about the werewolves, which I feel like we've been putting it off long enough. Um, yeah, uh,
1: I. There were multiple times where we could have transitioned to the werewolves, and I, I waited for you to bring it up. Yeah, um,
0: I I wanted to clear a space so we could just really dig into them. Mm-hmm. This is this is the werewolf part of the podcast. This is the
3: werewolf uh, break.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this so, is
3: the werewolf break.
1: So they're Nazis. Yep. Yep. And I yeah. have mixed feelings about that. Um, I understand why they're nazis and why make the werewolves the nazis compared to other groups in uberwald um -hmm. but i prefer when werewolves are jewish to bring it back to uh coded judaism in the dwarves um because uh if you didn't know this the guy who wrote the screenplay for the original wolfman um he was a Jewish man that fled Nazi Germany. Like, he got out right before they would have prevented him from getting out. Um, and there's an interview with him where he talks about how the full moon in the Wolfman, to him, is the rise of Nazism in Germany. Um, because it's the full moon is turning Lon Cheney Jr. into... A monster in the eyes of his neighbors um against his will and that is how he felt about nazism rising um and i um wanted to make sure i got like the details correct so i did pull up um an interview that was with him before he died um so if you all want to read that later um, oh, cool. I, will be I'll link it notes. in the
0: show notes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So he. Uh, so I usually like werewolf stories more when they're a metaphor for some um, oppressed class. Um, and I'm not crazy about werewolves as the oppressors, but they I'm- work better for the Discworld werewolves because you have to be born a werewolf in Discworld. So uh, if they're going to be an oppressive class, it makes sense that you have to be born into the upper echelons. Yeah. I kind
4: of want to point out that, like, the werewolves in this, this is werewolf as superpower, not werewolf as curse. Yeah.
1: Right. So being born into it. And it also ties into um, Terry Pratchett does a lot of, werewolves are more like dogs because they are when wolves meet humans um and he's done that before at in men in arms and it's kind of him just expanding on that um and again it also makes sense for them to be nazis with the um eugenics angle that um wolfgang is Mm -hmm. running on as far as killing Angua and his other siblings um, for having basically a handicap, uh, as far as mm-hmm. werewolves are concerned. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's like bits and pieces that I like about the Discworld werewolves, but I do, um, I'm not crazy about the initial, um, premise of werewolves equal Nazis, but mm-hmm. I understand why he got there. And the- I mean, it's
4: um, these werewolves in particular, I guess. Cause, yeah, cause
3: yeah, this is also and fantasy like, Germany. I, well,
4: despite what I said earlier, Angua absolutely treats werewolf as curse mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she actually has to live with this shit. the The actual Überwald family is just like they don't fucking care. They're they're just you know yeah. masks off, muzzles out. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's also um, they're use they're using the werewolves as Nazis as like okay, why do people move from Überwald to Ankh-Morpork? And it's almost all the reasons are to escape conservatism, yep. whether you are a female dwarf. And in um, Angua's case, it is her rejecting that conservative oppressor role. Um, mm-hmm. So even though it is... a uh, curse for her it is more her rejecting the shitty things her family does um than curse in the traditional sense
0: yeah like that's that's the bargain is like you can you can not only can you have super strength super speed super healing powers but you also can live among people who understand you who really get you and you can rule over the countryside the trade-off for that is you're evil yeah. and you you got to keep killing people to keep establishing that you're evil. Mm-hmm. And also, I like that in the book they kind of imply that like the werewolves aren't as like – they're not as powerful as the vampires comparatively and they don't exactly have the same kinds of like wealth and cultural cash that the vampires do. So they're kind of the the i the con they're kind of like this like they see themselves as despite as like oppressed aristocrats and that's what allows them to have the license to do whatever they want in the name of reestablishing their dominance hmm. and that's why they're so they're they're so you know.
3: That's why dangerous. they're Nazis. Yeah. It, because, exactly.
0: That's uh, why they're Nazis. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because they're, they're fascists and they, you have to, and because they believe power should go to whoever is physically strongest and can see his power because they're fascists. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, so it's also like, um, an interesting thing is, um, so you have fascists, Need to quote unquote reclaim a f- former glory, so it makes sense that the werewolves being the second run on the ladder, um, and that's why they gotta push forward. Um, but uh, I usually prefer werewolves as a found family metaphor. Um, I've done uh, panels at conventions where I talk about werewolves being the proletariat of movie monsters. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But, um, because you know, unions work because it's collective bargaining, strength, and unity. Um, whereas they're taking strength and unity in a shitty Nazi fascist way rather than a collective bargaining socialist, mm-hmm. we're building a society mm-hmm. way. Well, um,
2: I think, I think like a part of that is as the same thing, it's a difference in how it does werewolves because. I don't think in Discworld there is any time when someone can get turned into a werewolf. Yeah, no, they
1: specifically say that they can't. Um, Right, so
2: then werewolf becomes purely a, oh, well, I mean, they even talk about, like, oh, well, you can't, uh, werewolves have to be, like, vague shit about, like, pure-blooded eugenic stuff for them. Yeah, Yeah. it's a pedigree, yeah.
1: And that also ties them back into dogs,
2: um, where, where if you um. have a universe where the people can turn into werewolves, then you get much more of a found family thing because anyone can be part of this. It's, it's a choice mm-hmm. instead yeah. of forced in that way. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, as a, yes. well, yeah, Because there's yes. a there's a whole thing with like Angua has siblings that like one of them is the switch. They're still werewolves, but the switch doesn't work. Like one of them's just always human. The other one's always a dog, but they're still werewolves and. This whole thing where Wolfgang, you know, kills off the bad ones because the bloodline, because the purity of the bloodline. And it's, yeah. In case you didn't already get that this guy is a Nazi. There you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I also understand, like, why someone who is not as invested in werewolves would go to Nazi werewolves Mm -hmm. before they go to oppressed werewolves. Um, because uh, Nazis liked wolves and ancient Rome mm-hmm. that also liked wolves. Um, so it's sort of like he started with a very surface level reading um, and then expanded in what made sense to him uh, rather than mm-hmm. digging into what came before like he did with, I think, the other um, creatures on the disc world. Um, he's commenting more on how society sees wolves rather than werewolves in particular. And that also gets into um, a lot of what we think of as werewolf stuff um, comes from the Wolfman movie. Like, it is actually fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, the full moon started with the 1940s Wolfman Um And the moon in general is from a movie that came shortly before it. Uh, And he included those things, so it's kind of like there isn't as many ancient stories to play off of. There's just modern pop culture. Yeah.
4: I mean, we also have the fact that these werewolves are just being constantly held up against quote-unquote actual wolves with the wolf pack that gavin yeah. sorts of, yeah. sort of grapples and, onto yeah. and we it kind of have a call back to like fido from um that was that was that men at arms that you was know, the, men at arms that was um, men at arms yeah the, the the dog that had this same fascist view of what a wolf is supposed mm-hmm. to be being mm-hmm. writ large oh. by a bunch of people that just unironically believe this mm-hmm. or at the very least like wolfgang does his <sighs> parents are just kind of too out of it to really they're enablers but they're not actively evil
1: yeah His it mom's seems pretty like
4: evil, but
2: she's more of the, just like shitty parent evil
4: yeah she's just shitty parent she's mm-hmm. not like evil for the sake of evil you were saying i'm sorry
1: yeah um she uh dad is kind of just out of it and not paying attention to what's going on um, yeah like
3: dad is just dog mode all the time and doesn't really like care about human shit anymore
2: it is interesting that you have the whole thing with like the him coming up with like the game as a thing in the book and in that there's a bunch of other werewolves but we don't ever see any other werewolves in the book like in here
1: they're always in wolf form hanging out with um wolfgang mm -hmm. yeah
2: so they don't really exist as characters the only yeah, we, character mm-hmm. we get amongst them is just Wolfgang as weird Hitler youth. Yeah, uh, yeah,
3: we, we, yeah, we don't, we don't like, get a sense of, like, what other werewolves, like, what other werewolves here think about this. Like, are, are they all, like, little fascists? Are they, yeah. like, you know, how popular are his views?
0: Yeah, that was one thing that Carpe Jugulum did better, I think, because yeah. you got the viewpoint of, like, we're trying to create new vampires, not just from the dad of the family, but also, like, mom and the kids and all the weird reverse goth friends of theirs and stuff. And, like, you got this idea that, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, there's, like, a bunch of vampires out there who really want this new model where they're at the top and everyone else is just cattle to succeed. Whereas with this, like, yeah, it makes sense that it feels more like all of the other werewolves, which I feel like it was kind of implied that the other werewolves are either members of the family or are just kind of like they hang out around the castle as much to, they might as well be members of the family. Mm-hmm. But you get the feeling that they kind of they kind of rally around Wolfgang because he's the one who's who has like
1: ambitions
0: he, beyond he, just yeah, he's the charismatic be, leader be wolf. yeah Yeah, exactly
1: and uh it's also i think so in carpe jugulum you get the vampires that it's not just that they want to do the new thing where they're on top because the old version of them was also on top it's just they're obsessed with modernizing and they're kind of like the bad version of modernizing and Mm -hmm. lady margolotta in this is like she is also subscribing to the Vampire's Gotta Modernize pamphlet. She's just more successful at it because mm-hmm. she is swearing off blood. Um, and that makes humans incorrectly assume that she is not evil. Um, so it's kind of like we're getting... Okay, this is the f- all the bad parts of modernization with none of the good parts. And Lady Margolotta is doing a better modernization path, mm. um as are other vampires that we meet later and with the werewolves, there isn't really a variety; it is just Wolfgang being hitler yeah. um and it's also the problem is is that um because we don't have that variety, we never do get, like, a counterpoint to them. Like, the closest Mm -hmm. you get to a counterpoint are the wolves, but that is specifically making the point of, well, this is what wolves are actually like. Um, Mm -hmm. I do like the part where Angua explains that wolves don't like werewolves. And people are like, well, why not? And she's like, why would, it, why would they like werewolves? Humans don't like werewolves, and we look human sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting twist. Mm-hmm.
3: It caught mm-hmm. exactly in the middle, and in case you didn't pick that up, there's a point where, like, Angwa shows up and sits, the book even says sits exactly between Carrot and Gavin.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there was a weird, like, there was a weird energy mm-hmm. with, like, oh, is is Carrot getting cheated on? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought it was is just... Is getting his, with it's Gavin? It's her ex.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, her old yeah. boyfriend,
3: Gavin.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, okay. I wasn't sure what was going on
1: there. My partner's ex came to visit, and it's not an ex that she hates, so I can't tell the ex to fuck off. Um, mm. Well, I mean, he had a
4: very good point. She was needed. Yeah. 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 I... I want to talk about Gavin
2: and Carrot more because they're both fascinating but I do want to say like on the subject of werewolves it's interesting thinking about future books because like in future books we're going to see a bunch of different vampires of all sorts that kind of become a major running theme in the books like there's one in the next book who's great there's uh Sally eventually who I won't say anything more than the name there's there's a number of vampires uh oh and obviously uh well no spoilers there actually but like there's a ton of vampires coming up but there aren't
0: any other werewolves it's just angla this is the only and time I, I angla and ludmilla from uh from reaper you know. man which is way back there but like this yeah so
1: it. it's like and this goes into i think it's because he didn't have stuff to pull from um mm-hmm because he went to you don't get bitten and become a werewolf you're just born a werewolf so it is harder to find werewolf stories to draw from because he's already rejected like the common um angle of the biting as a curse and then the found family thing mm-hmm. yeah. um and there really isn't any place else to go um And it's kind of all the things that he does with werewolves that are interesting. You can get from Angua. Like, I do think it's interesting that they have a hard time thinking while in wolf form. um, And their wolf behaviors are tamped down when they're in human form. I like that because it does force them to change back and forth. um, And that's kind of a thing that's like, if you're a werewolf who can control your powers what's the point of going back and forth all the time? Um, Because, you know, thumbs are useful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you have heightened senses, even while you're in person form, why would you need to turn into a wolf? Um, So it's kind of like he sort of wrote himself into a corner with the werewolves in this book.
5: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
3: There there was a a pretty good bit where the... uh, were there in the, the wolf mansion in Vimes' notices that the doors don't have handles or knobs because you can't work those with paws?
0: Yeah, similar to how there's no weapons around because mm-hmm. why would they need weapons at all? They're wolves. Which, it
4: does <laughs> re- now there's something interesting there because that that was a major point with the vampires of you know they they keep the weapons around not for themselves but for people there to give them a sporting chance, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. kind of wonder if like a previous. A, a, Uh, You know, a a few generations ago, there might have been weapons up in the castle for the same Mm -hmm. general reason, Mm -hmm. you know, because the game used to be fair instead of, you know, just Mm -hmm. rigging it as hard as possible. That's the
0: thing. The vampire game is, you come and chase me. The werewolf game is, we chase you. Mm -hmm. And It's not a case of, oh, you got me. I guess I'll stay dead for another decade. It's, oh, you survived. Wow. Here's some
1: money and also the weapons you use against a werewolf are fatal to a werewolf so they wouldn't want those weapons around they don't come yeah. back the way vampires well, do i mean if they mm. weren't
4: silver weapons then you know they'll come back eventually no matter what anyways which again that's very, that's much the same thing as with vampires it's it's the two of it again it's them having like the exact same sets of things but no i, I get i get it like anything that is particularly effective against a, a werewolf is going to put down a werewolf for good.
0: Mm-hmm. Like a firework.
4: Like a firework. Check that was actually... Firework. That was actually a really good... Um, I'm just going to say execution because yeah, what what, yeah. what the hell else am I going to use there? Because it wasn't so much that he was acting like a dog as he was acting like an asshole. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was doing it to to be a prick.
4: Yeah.
0: Like wolfgang's entire whole shit was like he won't he loves to fucking like hurt people and he loves to like be the scariest dude in the room literally the entire time whenever he was on screen this is a weird pull, but i really did like hear his lines as like the lines of the fucking uh bad guy east german bobsled team from the film cool runnings <sighs> did anybody ever see that yes. film i have
1: seen yeah. that yes yeah Hey, Jamaica! Nice bobsled.
0: I I, I will give him nice, nice pants, Mr. Civilized. I was
1: I, I actually uh, wrote that down You like, need You so need like, to listen to the audiobook Iris because <laughs> that is exactly the vibe that Wolfgang has when the audiobook reader uh, is reading good. him. Oh I, I wrote God. that down. Mr. Civilized. Uh, I I, I yeah. read it like
3: a fucking Chippity crocket from Gunda cuz like I that was one of the parts I laughed at pretty good was, like, Vibes is, like, in this hot spring and Wolfgang shows up, and it's not the entire book, he just calls Vibes, like, Civilized, or Mr. Civilized, or, like, mm-hmm. he's, like, making fun of Vibes for, like, wearing his underwear while he's in the hot spring, and he's, like, as he gets there, he's, like, Behold! Civilization! <laughs> uh. Uh, Mr. Civilized! Ugh.
4: also the same level of smug satisfaction of somebody holding up a plucked chicken and yelling yeah exactly
3: like you know mr japanese
2: this is another this is another Mm -hmm. example of uh when we look at pratchett's host of villains his favorite types of bad guy this is of the complete and utter fucking bastard type Mm -hmm, we've mm -hmm. seen it before and we'll see it again not someone who's really such as mr tiatime yep mr tiatime uh we'll see it in carcer eventually uh just mm-hmm. sometimes Pratchett doesn't come up with like an interesting real motivation for a guy. Sometimes he's just like this dude is a piece of shit. And sometimes
3: people are Nazis. Like He's just,
2: just like, a yeah, he's just a fucking Nazi. He's just a is, fucking
3: yeah. absolute monster. It is a more like believable, absolute irredeemable bastard than like Mr. Tiatame. Like yeah. you know. Nazis yeah, exist like, they suck. Yeah. You know?
0: Wolf Wolfgang's irrationality, like Like, the fact that he's so like that, combined with the fact that he has been able to get away with that up until now, he is that strong and that fast, and there have been no consequences to his actions whatsoever. He can do whatever the fuck he wants, really kind of fills in. Like, he's not a complex character by any way, shape, or form, but I could believe that he exists.
3: Yeah, like, it is. is. Nazis unfortunately exist
2: it is a Mm -hmm. bit funny the way uh (laughs) the way that vimes is like you don't understand i have to go fight him he'll never stop he'll keep coming out of it some guys they'll just keep fighting forever and not give up no matter what you do to him idiots they're just awful people to sybil who's like yeah yeah huh fascinating yeah yeah Yeah, i think think i've met
0: the type before yeah (laughs) I do want to.
2: I do want to quickly talk about Wolfgang's death scene because it's really. It was the other thing that really stood out to me, (laughs) in terms of like interesting themes in the book, because Vimes does kind of execute the guy. Like he does in part of everyone. (laughs) Yeah, and he does the whole you're resisting arrest thing, which reads a little bit differently to me than it probably did to pratchett given uh
5: yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, we live in the circumstances yes but
2: it had me kind of thinking about how pratchett portrays the cops in general and the other big problem i think that he had that he never really conquered which is just what's his solution to fundamental contradictions in society the answer is usually a really really cool guy (laughs) Like, (laughs) there's a fundamental Mm -hmm. contradiction in the watch between being a police force, which are kind of evil, and being a generally good thing, something that keeps the peace and actually pushes for a better city. There's a contradiction between, I mean, you see them doing petty traffic scams to people at the beginning, and you Mm -hmm. see Vimes constantly struggling with the idea of, I deserve to get revenge against this guy. Why shouldn't I? I should do it. So, but he doesn't, and he makes sure he follows the rules in this specific way. But when we look at why, the only reason we can come to is Vimes is just that fucking good of a person, essentially. Yeah. He yeah, like, refuses it, it, to
0: compromise. And it, that's
3: everyone. Yeah, everyone agrees, including the uh, Uberwald cop. Tommy Tim Tam's or whatever. Tantini. Tantini, There you go.
0: Uh, uh, Tantini, Yeah. T-
3: I like. This kind of agrees. Like, oh no. Like, I mean, you gave him every opportunity. There was no way to foresee he would catch the firework in his mouth. Uh, you know, you gave him every chance to not do that. You know, I think what you did was cool and justified. Which that dude was a Nazi. It's good that he died. But you know, it is. Right. You know. Vimes
2: refuses to take that. Vimes yeah. is like. Vimes struggles with it because he's like, I did just murder a dude. And yeah, because, that central idea, him refusing to mentally give up on the idea that he didn't murder a dude, that that is the thing that he did, keeping that contradiction in him at all times is how Vimes balances the central contradiction of being a cop in yeah, this universe.
5: This
3: and it works. Because this goes the book, where Vimes but, keeps telling himself, yeah. like, Vimes has to tell himself that he genuinely believes that he's never killed anyone with his own hands. Yeah, like, sometimes he has fallen on top of so People have died! you know, people have died in his wake, but those were accidents or those were, you know, those were murder. Those were, you know, the natural consequence of what happened.
1: I do think, like, to give it the seriousness that it does, like, the fact that he refuses to make, like, a witty one-liner yeah. before throwing it yeah. um, makes the point that, like, it's to contrast him with Wolfgang who has been doing the witty yeah. what he thinks are witty one-liners every time he's about to kill someone um, and so like it is a good contrast but it is also like yeah but it's it's he could very easily be a wolfgang um it's it's the it's the
2: thing of like there's the I mean, the line between the cops and a gang is thin, and we live in a country where that line doesn't exist. They are a gang. And, like, Mm -hmm. that central contradiction there, that central question of, like, how do you have a police force that doesn't (coughs) do these things? Pratchett's answer is, you need a guy who's really fucking good at not doing it. Mm -hmm. And this is Mm -hmm. something that I think Mm -hmm. kind of Pratchett's, like, he was very able to see the problems in things he was very able to see the central contradictions in a lot of stuff he could see the contradictions in capital in a lot of ways he could see the contradictions in policing and how it's handled and he'll do it more later and all this stuff but he never really came up with a better answer than what if there was a veterinary what if there was a Vimes? that's his answer in the end is you just need one really good person and I adore Vimes. Vimes is like honestly fundamental to my moral compass. He was... I was reading Discworld in... I've I've said this a billion times. I was reading Discworld when my faith broke. I couldn't figure out how to believe in God anymore and thinking about how to develop a moral compass without God. Genuinely reading Discworld and reading Vimes' struggles helped with that. But the idea of a system beyond that, a larger system than that, I'm not saying, well, he should have come up with communism, but like the idea of a maybe we need more than just one guy, it's something that he didn't do. And I think so it's something there, that the books struggle with a lot.
1: It is. There's a p- post that sometimes makes the rounds online called Discworld Made Me a Libertarian. Mm. And it's kind of Pratchett, while he has never saying libertarianism is the answer he he does seem to distrust governments and systems or think they won't work or like has a distaste for bureaucracy um which is why he never gets to we should make socialism it's more just like no someone should just do the stuff that needs doing Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how he approaches the witches Like, yeah, they're not an official government force. They just quote unquote do what needs doing, and
5: Mm -hmm.
1: because that, so that contradiction of he doesn't really believe in the government unless there is a mythically competent person like Vetinari in charge, and he is aware that that person is impossible. But if you think about look at like all the examples he has of people trying to make a government um they're incompetent or can't get their plan through to the people um for whatever reason and i think he maybe started to work on that in the later books because there was a fan theory that Vetinari was training Moist to take over as patrician. And so it's... Vetinari can be ruthless enough to force people to do the things that they need to do and get things to work. But then you need a Moist to convince people it's a good idea.
2: Yeah, I, th- I, think, the, um, I think the later books definitely do have more of a bent of like... as As much as I think some of them are weaker just because they're written at the end of his life and he was struggling obviously and we'll get to those eventually like there's definitely more of a bent of like here's here's a lot of characters we don't just have one vimes anymore we have a host of people in the city it's it's the idea of instead of it just being one guy it's people through doing these things can build other people up and maybe collectively we can create a better world, which I think is something that he's getting towards at the end. And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's, it's a, it's a contradiction that he never answered in his books. And I'm not sure he even recognized, honestly. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think that maybe he did start to recognize it later in life. Yeah,
2: No, I'd, I'd agree with that.
1: Because he realized that systems were what was helping him move forward yeah um and so i feel like it is not a coincidence that um he eases up on systems helping people when he starts to be ill it Mm -hmm.
3: it is wild how in this very book as soon as the watch loses vines and carrots um It immediately just stops working, uh, and Nobby forms a police union, and they all go on strike, and it's kind of made clear that, um, like... No, as soon as there are no police, there's no crime. Like, they say that, like, well, having police is what makes okay. crime exist. Admittedly, okay. the, the book is <laughs> yeah. more
2: the book is more. Uh, the reason there's no the reason the police union, the police falls <laughs> apart, isn't necessarily because Vimes left, although that's a big part of it. It's because Colin got
3: put in charge. Yeah, yeah Colin never be in the charge of man. anything. Yeah, and, yeah, because he sucks.
2: Yeah, and the implication is also yeah. that the reason there's not a ton of crime is because everyone knows that the break from the police is not going to last and yeah, they like, don't want to be in trouble when it's mr like vibes that. would
0: go
3: spare yeah, like, you know, as soon as A- vibes and carrot come back like things are going to go back to normal okay. yeah tiny
4: the- interjection the only time the librarian appears in this book is one mention of yep. vibes going librarian poo yep. because he didn't want to say ape shit. yep <laughs> I, I was gonna say up. that
0: Thank technically you. he was mentioned that's a bit. <sighs> Librarian mentioned. I think there's
2: also yeah. another element of this with the thing you were talking about with uh, people reading the Discworld books as libertarian, haha, uh, which is that, like, when you describe the guild system, it basically is libertarianism. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that is that as the stories go on, the guilds go from, like, haha, that's how Ankh Morpork is, isn't that a funny joke, to usually the bad guy? They yeah. are usually the bad guy that Veterinari and Vimes and Moist and whoever are having to basically push back against and keep from fucking overreaching to take over the mm. city. I mean,
0: as early as Men at Arms, they were up to yeah, it. Having, like, then, uh, the,
2: they're going to be up to it next book. They're going to be up to it a lot. Mm-hmm. He, uh, it, it's a transition uh, of him being like, well, Ankh-Morpork's a disaster, but you know, maybe this sort of funny disaster can work, to like,
3: okay... No, it wouldn't. And let's yeah. think about why. Remember how one of the bad guys of soul music was the recording industry? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh. But yeah, it's, it's something that I think he's going to... I think... I, I, I would say this is... The reason I bring it up is because it's a theme that I think he will struggle with for the rest of his books. This okay. idea of, like, their central contradictions to my world and the way I've built things and everything about them. And I don't really have a solution for that, except what if there was a good guy without a gun (laughs) (laughs) at times? I'm interested to see how this thought uh, plays out in the rest of the books and Mm. how how it evolves as it goes on.
3: Also, Carrot's kind of
2: a
4: bastard in this one.
3: Yeah, he's kind
4: of like weirdly jealous.
3: Yeah,
0: he actually gets hmm. to be a little bit of a pissant.
4: The, uh, there's there's hints of this sort of, you know, maybe he's not like this perfect, magical, squeaky clean boy that everybody loves. Maybe he's kind of aware that he holds way too much power. That or
0: maybe he isn't that anymore.
4: There's even a, yeah. like, where Angwa tells him, like,
3: I wish you were kind of a bastard more, or at least, like, I wish you were, like, at least sigh a little bit when, I ha- when I'm an inconvenience or whatever. Like, she like tells it that point blank, and maybe you take that to heart a little bit. There's there's an interesting read, I think, of
2: Pratchett here as... Or as of Carrot as almost a Superman-type character, mm-hmm. where it's like, he can do anything, he's able to do anything, he's the most powerful guy around, and he'll never do anything wrong. But who is he mm-hmm. beneath all that, and how does he the fact that that's who he is, how does he deal with the fact that that's kind of an annoying person to be. There's also the mm-hmm. implication that he basically killed Gavin with his actions. That mm-hmm. he was like, if I dive in here and get fucked up, Gavin will kill the dude and get killed in the process. So, time to take out uh, the the uh, competing love
3: interest. T- time to kill my girlfriend's ex. Like... I- <laughs> That's really fucked up, but also kind of understandable
4: in a weird way. Yeah. Like,
0: hey, you know, last line of the book, wolves never look back. <sighs> I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting characterization of
2: Carrot that I feel like alludes to a lot of depth that he didn't have before. And I like mm-hmm.
1: it. Well, mm-hmm. I think, like, that depth was hinted at before yeah. when... Um, Vetinari showed him the throne of Ankh-Morpork and he rejected it. Um, So I feel like he has been aware. But it's it's also like... It's much more textual this time. It's also like... um, Carrot is only a good person because of Vimes. Like, Mm. if you think about all the times Carrot has been an asshole they're usually when he is bumping up against um, something uh, that goes against conservatism. Um, like, he reacts very bad to Sherry um, in Feet of Clay. And uh, when he first finds out Angu is a werewolf, he pulls out a sword. And... So it's kind of, Carrot does have all this power, but the only reason why he is actually a good person is because of Vimes and Angua and the people that are around him telling him to cut it out when he does something that is heinous, like it stops him before he goes too far. Um, because his knee jerk reaction to a lot of things is kind of shitty and conservative. Um,
2: yeah, no, it, it's definitely a, it's definitely, mm-hmm. a, he, he works best in this spot. And oh, I, and I like him. It is like
1: the scary thing is kind of if the nobility or the upper crust of Ankh Morpork had found him before he decided to become a cop, um, he would be the antagonist of the whole series.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He needed a shitty
3: bastard like
2: Vimes to be in charge of him.
3: Everyone's favorite cop dad. And it, and in that way, Vimes has killed or at least preempted another king, just like his uh, great grandfather, nice old stone Vimes. Trying to think if
2: there's a that's think, true. Trying to think if there's anything else in the book that like we really gotta talk about.
0: Yeah <sighs> I was going to say We're running a yeah. little bit long So was there anything else we wanted to talk about Before we go to the ranking yeah, there's, there's We skipped a few all
2: of that we, to we skipped all of Colin's stuff But like and, That's yeah. fair i that's, that's <laughs> It's yeah. gonna be real who cares
0: and also <laughs> It's some like, <laughs> moderately funny <laughs> jokes
3: And that's it And also like all of Gaspode He's in this book by the way uh, Gaspode was in this book, yeah. I liked uh, Gaspode in this Gaspode book. Gaspode was there, too. Gaspode has
2: grown on me. I liked him in this book.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I love that Pratchett just, uh, just shoves Gaspode in this book, and you're just because, like, God fucking damn it, he's because, here again. Because
3: he, need, because he needs a dog that is also yeah. between being a human and being a wolf, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have, He's just a
0: little guy. It's his birthday. You're going to be mean to him on his birthday? Yeah.
3: That's, there are a few things I wanted to mention it at some point. Uh, we get Leonard of Quirm again, he's also here. Um, there's a really funny exchange early on where, um, well, like, the death of Wallace Sankey, the condom manufacturer, still, like, matters. Uh, Colin is talking to, uh, Ventanari about it, and, uh, and Colin mentions that he doesn't approve of contraceptives, he thinks they're unnatural. And vetinari where he would normally, like, have some kind of, you know, clever thing that's making fun of him without realizing he's like genuinely he's like oh oh that's not natural and vet is like genuinely confused he's like what what do you mean darling do do you eat raw meat and sleep in a tree what what do you mean it's very funny that he's just like genuinely confused by like are you an are you an anprim colden what are you talking about (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I think they say somewhere else in the book that Vetinari has a hard time dealing with Colin because he has to slow his brain down so yeah. much, uh, or else all of his comments are going to go whizzing over his head.
3: Yeah, like, uh, is very funny, because he he's, does this catty thing where he, like, is making fun of the other party, but, like, you know, n- Colin Vance was to catch him off guard, which is very funny. I was replaying that scene in my head a bunch. Yeah.
0: And it's... all this after they spent so much uh, bonding time together in Django. It's so yeah. strange.
4: I'm so glad Good we God. got that. that. Uh. I... Grace, I do want to call out the fact that apparently you, you file Vetinari as using the Rarity voice. I don't want to. I don't have any comment about that. I just need to observe <laughs> I, that for a moment. I, 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 think, I mean, I think it is the Rarity of Discord. Yeah, like, I think. Okay. Yeah,
3: like, I I think the kin assignment works, and I can go. Uh, ask me next episode, I'll, I'll have silence for the rest of the main six. <laughs> who, Thank God. Who is the I, Sunset Shimmer of the Disc? I will hold you to that. I
1: do need to know who is Pinkie Pie, um...
3: I'll get back to you. Well, that's Rincewind, obviously. No, Pinkie Pie doesn't deserve that. Rincewind
1: does not like parties.
3: Yeah, like... <laughs> uh, Rincewind would never remember someone's birthday, and he, he would never go Joker mode. Arch-Chancellor Ridcully is Pinkie yeah. Pie.
4: That I could see. Yeah, no, yeah, no. That's but definitely Cully correct. But is also yeah. kind
3: of an Applejack.
4: I was just terrified you were going to say Sybil.
3: No, Cybel's too like
2: official. Arch Chancellor Cully has the exact energy of, I don't give a shit about what all of you're doing. We're doing what I want, and what I want is off. Instead of a party, it's a big ol' hunt. Let's go what, do it. Fuck which, yeah.
0: But in that sense, Rick is What Collier if Pinkie Pie like, was an
3: elderly British yeah, exactly. Like, what if Pinkie Pie had a gun? Like, <laughs> I will say, Rick Collier is also like Applejack core in that way, in that Rick Collier is like from the farm. He's like very stubborn. He's very like, I'm going to do things my way. He's very, you know, very honest in that blunt way.
2: But he's a wizard, which makes him Pinkie Pie.
0: We can save this for the next episode.
1: Uh, this is going to require... Yeah.
0: This is going to require uh, a lot more debate.
1: What uh, um, was everyone's favorite joke? That's what you usually do at the end. Um, yeah, I was.
4: I promised we were going to get there. Oh, God. But now's a good time for it. Um, I just like the the momentary confusion where Colin is misunderstanding something so badly that, he's re- that he recounts that Uberwald is a misery wrapped in an enema. Yep, yep.
3: <laughs> uh, there's a bit near the start where the Fool's Guild is on fire, and... Uh, there's a whole bit about how clout- unfortunately the Fool's Guild Fire Brigade is made of clowns, and clowns can only do one thing with a bucket of water and a ladder. Like the the train just takes over. They they can only do shtick with it. they, they can never actually put out the fire.
4: And if it was funny, clowns yeah, wouldn't be doing yeah. it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh Lord Veterinarian I think that like there weren't a lot of like singular jokes you could pull out of this book, but this one was one I got a big uh, a, a hearty guffaw mm-hmm. out of, um... Uh, Lord Vetinari drew a sheet of paper from one of the small stack in front of him. Uh, now then, act Sir! To be sure. I have here another complaint of over-enthusiastic clamping. I'm sure you know to what I refer. It was causing serious traffic congestion, sir! Quite so, It is well known for it. But it is, in fact, the opera house. <laughs> sir! Wow. The owner feels the big yellow clamps at each corner detract from what I might call the tone of the building. And of course, they do prevent him from driving it away. Sir! Indeed. I think this is a case where discretion might be advisable, acting captain. Got to make an example to the others, sir! Ah, yes. The patrician held another piece of paper delicately between thumb and forefinger as though it were some rare and strange creature. The others being, let me see if I can recall, some things do stick in the mind, so... Ah, yes. Yes. Three other buildings, six fountains, three statues, and the gibbet in Nunsuch Street. Oh, in my own palace. I fully understand you're parked on business, sir. <laughs> uh. Like, homie. And then after that, literally the line. Lord Venneri paused. He found it difficult to talk to Frederick Cullen. He dealt on a daily basis with people who treated conversation as a complex game, and with Cullen, he had to keep on adjusting his mind in case he overshot. Which, like, yeah, that's like. The colon parts are the most traditionally discworld parts of the book, mm-hmm. and as such are the most, uh, good for pulling out singular jokes, I guess. There,
3: I think uh, there was also, uh, this isn't really, like, it didn't really make me laugh, but it it was very of its era when, like, so in order to, like, get into the big dwarf cavern under Ubervold, there was an elevator, uh, and mm. when they go in there for the uh, the big fancy coronation party, they have a band playing uh, elevator music. Because in 19—because <laughs> this was when ele- elevators still played music, and that was still a funny joke. I don't think—I've it- been in, in maybe exactly one elevator ever that played music.
0: Yeah. Elevator music was the funniest fucking joke you could possibly tell in the Yeah, no, lives. it was like—
3: And now they don't
1: even exist. It was exist.
0: like
3: VTRs Blinking 12 o'clock. Comedy gold. Mm-hmm. Think, um, oh, My yeah.
1: favorite joke is when Gaspode is asked what is the name of the wolf that they're getting directions from and Gaspode is like well wolves don't have names they have like vibes like that they're referred to um, so sometimes it's hard to translate what their name is, what we would consider their name to be and Carrot's like well what's their name and they're like Asshole. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a good. Bit. That was great. That and like, there's a later wolf whose name is eats wrong meat. Mm-hmm. I think
2: mm-hmm. I think my favorite joke in terms of what made me laugh the most was. Hang on, I gotta I gotta find it real quick. Really early on, you have a uh, you have uh, yeah. Constable Shoe said, "Constable Shoe." When the door of the bootmakers' factory is opened, homicide. You come, about Mister sonky said the door. The troll opened the door. I mean, I'm a zombie, said Rekshu. I find that telling people right away saves embarrassing misunderstandings later on. But coincidentally, yes. Like, terrible joke. And I think the joke that made me groan the most, the joke that made me just go, Jesus Christ, is uh, with vines in the boat. And uh, when uh, he's talking to Death, and he's like, am I going to die? And Death's like, possibly like you show up when people are possibly gonna die? Yes, it's the new thing. It's the uncertainty principle. Yeah. What's that? I'm not sure.
5: <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> Death is Terrible. also trying God, to I forgot about his, that. Or like, you
3: know, am I going to die? Mm-hmm. Yeah, eventually, yes. But I'm here for him. Awful joke.
1: Uh, um, Awful. This isn't a joke, but I did like the bit when Skimmer gets killed. Um, because he hears the knock on the door.
5: Hmm. Yeah
1: and then it occurs to him that you can knock on the door from the inside too yeah and it ends with they really are quite clever and that's like the last thing that he thinks Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm.
4: more importantly that it's calling back to like the first scene in the book when the Mm -hmm. other diplomat get fucking eats it and you just kind of realize oh that's what i was reading 50 pages Mm -hmm. ago Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, it's that part was
2: genuinely really tense I Mm. liked it a lot
5: Uh,
4: yeah I kind of shit on Skimmer for like existing entirely to deliver a gun but like he was well written for what he was and he did actually serve the narrative well just not for anything that I was summarizing
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terry got good at writing action scenes in this mm. there's like fist fights and shit that are like legitimately like oh this is this this feels like a movie this is really cool
4: good stuff also I guess just to apologize yeah. I wasn't trying to be catty earlier I was just very earnestly surprised that the person who tells us to get to get back on topic is the guest
0: <laughs> oh no it's fine uh, are <laughs> we, we we yeah, about... I... <sighs> yeah anything else or are we gonna be going on to the ranking
3: <sighs> okay well, one more thing about the l space annotations there's a character in like the first triangle page named all Jolson and he's uh... Obviously, the name was a plan, Al Jolson. I think it's weird the L-space annotations don't mm-hmm. mention that extremely obvious. By the way, don't Google Al Jolson; it's a lot of pictures of the guy in blackface.
0: Yeah, that's a weird. That was a weird reference. Yeah. Why are we? Why are we referencing Al Jolson here? I don't. I don't. I didn't get why that was there. Yeah, because it, right. it
3: wasn't really a reference to the man's work or anything, uh, which is good. No, uh, from what little I could tell of Al Jolson, his work was extremely racist.
0: He was. Yeah, he was the first... Uh, he did star in the first uh, talkie, the first motion picture with sound. Unfortunately, that motion picture was extremely racist. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Weird, weird, weird Ersatz loose reference in there for no reason. Feel like I was straight out of moving pictures. Yeah. Didn't get that. Uh, um, I think now we're ready to go to the rankings. Alright, yeah. let's... Let's look at the... R- so last time on Discovers, uh, Carpe Jugulum took the coveted number two spot on the list. I am unsure if we want to start things at the top. Would we say that this is better than Men at Arms, our number five? Yes. Uh,
4: I don't... Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Like, 100%. Them.
0: Okay. Do you think that it's better than... Okay, we'll, we'll just skip ahead. Do you think it's better or worse than Carpe Jugulum? <sighs> This is going to be
4: a sticking point. Yeah, this is we're going we're to we're, really... we're have a lot of trouble over the next few I mean, episodes. I, I yeah. don't think it's sure.
3: quite as good as Feet of Clay. I think I will say that. Yeah,
2: I still yeah, like I, Feet of it, Clay. It's definitely more. not the best. The, it, Feet of Clay made me cry more than yeah, this book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I. I like
3: I it. Mean, I also, don't... Feet
0: of Clay's mystery was more of a meaty part of the book than this. Yeah. Like. That was more like, oh, this is a mystery story. I
3: think I liked what this book was trying to say more than Carpe Jugulum. Like, I, you know, this one was a lot more transgender than Carpe Jugulum, which I appreciate. Yes. I I
2: have to give this. I say this book is better than Carpe Jugulum, but I also have nostalgia for this book, so I don't feel like I can be unbiased. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love I, the Watch series.
0: Yeah, I think I like. I like a lot about Carpe Jugulum to be clear. And I think that Carpe Jugulum is a little more like like we've said its antagonists are a little more well thought out and I like what it does as a coda to the whole witches thing. Uh, but this book has it in the details, like the world building, the political me- machinations, and just a chance to see characters that we know pretty well by now show off sides to them that we haven't seen mm-hmm. yet. While I'm fine with it not getting top spot, I think it could easily slide in at number two under Feet of Clay, honestly. Yeah,
4: I, I'm going to be honest, I'm kind, I'm a dissenting voice, but I am willing to be overruled here. Like, I, I probably would have put Carpe Jugulum higher than this, but okay. I... Definitely would have put this above Small God, so I'm perfectly willing to say go ahead yeah. and put it. It's put it in slot I'm two. down with
0: like, like it's really like, like, like quantum flickering between mm. Carpe Jugulum and yeah, this no, the, the two the
2: are z spot. fighting. It doesn't help that they're they're yeah, this...
0: Kel. What, what say you? What, what say you? Are, are, uh, our, our, our guest like voice Carpe in this Jugulum process.
1: better because I feel like it's big picture is better thought out. Um, mm. like this has a lot of fun details, but big picture mm. wise, I think Carpe Jugulum works better um because like i feel like the villains aren't as well thought out in this book um and also are never expanded on so it's not even building a base that gets jumped on later um so that's a
0: good point and like also yeah because lady margolotta probably like her whole character wouldn't be as fleshed out without the work put in in Carpe Jugulum. Yeah, so it's like the also- Carpe
1: Jugulum. It's building off Carpe Jugulum for the vampires, and it's setting up interesting things about the dwarves that get expanded on Thud. Um, but it doesn't really like. I think big picture wise, it's not as put together as Carpe Jugulum. Okay.
0: You you are kind of selling me here actually. I could put it in at number 3. Number 3 is still pretty high. It's mm-hmm. still very high. I I would say it w- it is still better than Small Gods.
4: Yeah. Which is the uh, fact that we're the fact that we can say that even casually is amazing mm-hmm. by itself. Yeah. It's Yeah.
0: I love Small Gods to pieces, but it's we we are in the banger era. It is mm-hmm. just the books are just better written at this yep. point. <laughs> they're they're just really good.
2: Also, I want to say in response to a discussion we were having before the podcast, real quick, where you kept being baffled that people would think Jingo was the best book of this, because uh, people keep comparing these books to Jingo in reviews and such, and being like, "Well, that's a good one.
0: I think just outlandish. I'm
2: thinking about that. You know who I think that sort of person is? I think that's the sort of person who really liked the really early Discworld books, where they're mostly here's a wacky parody. Yeah, Here's a fun, over-the-top, goofy parody of a bunch of fantasies stuff you have seen. This book doesn't it, have that. It, it really doesn't. It's a straightforward mystery story in a lot of ways. It doesn't it have the jokes. It's not as funny. It, it's a much better book in basically every way, especially because yeah, I didn't I, laugh at any of the jokes in Jingo.
3: It is... I, yeah, I, I can't... Um, no, go ahead. It go is wa- I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It is wild to see... Janu- quote, January Magazine found it to be... Uh, satisfyingly similar to jingo i guess because it takes place at a foreign i love to
0: hear satisfyingly similar
1: (laughs) and i this is before we started recording i posited that people were were saying jingo is better because it's talking about racism and that's an important topic so therefore it is a quote-unquote more important book and therefore better?
2: It, it is. It does
3: talk about racism. It does it badly, but it does. Uh, the, the Dear Evan Hansen, uh, you have to appreciate it because we're about a teen with mental health.
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I've read some uh, reviews for comics that aren't very good, but um, are hitting the political checkboxes people want and uh in obvious ways mm. and therefore make people think it's important/good um mm. Mm. when really it's kind of trite um uh cr- the movie crash won an oscar um yeah yeah and yeah, so yeah you if you're quote unquote talking about important things, you can trick people into thinking your thing is better than it is. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. Mm.
0: <sighs> yeah. Well, that book okay. sucked, but this one so was what? great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'd be fine with putting in at number three, then. I'd, I'd be all right with that.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can do that. No, I, I- Cool. Yeah. I would maybe say it's better than Carpet, but it's really close. And they're also like very similar both video really with very close. similar subject matter and I-, I could put it in either place. Yeah. I-, I think we yeah. should we could split yeah. the difference and make put them both
4: at number two. <laughs> God, you oh, need to make a guess t- where it switches we, every thirty seconds.
0: I I gotta say we can't have ties on this yeah. list. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that really would the list. We, are, we already decided we're not going to do tiers, so if we're not going to do tiers, we can't do ties, because ties are just mm. tiers of two. Mm-hmm.
3: I was personally okay um, with doing tiers, but understandable. I think the ranking is funnier.
1: I know that we're almost out of time, but uh, I listened to both audiobooks of this. Um, if you'd like to hear my audio- Discworld audiobook opinions... Um, I don't know how many of you are listening to the audiobooks while doing this podcast. Uh, or if I you're mean, you're reading. listening
4: to one group of nerds talk about the book. <laughs> uh, there's, there's plenty of reason to believe they might listen to two groups of nerds talking about the book.
1: Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Discworld recently got new audiobooks. Yep. Um, they have fancy new covers and new readers, and famous people read them. Um, and... I think what they did, what they did that's interesting is they have a different reader depending on the series. So all the watch books are read by the same guy. Um, Small Gods is read by um, Andy Serkis. Um, All the death books are read by the same person and so on and so forth. Um, And it seems like they picked who reads what series based on how well they fit the voice of the main character. Um, so the guy who reads the new version of all the watch books does a really good vimes, but kinda isn't very good at the other characters in my opinion. (laughs) Whereas the old version has, the guy has, I think a pretty good range. Um, and I especially like his veterinary. um, but yeah the new ones it's um kind of hit or miss um andy circus reading small gods works really well um because andy circus can do a lot of voices Mm. um and also since small gods is a one-shot um they could pick someone that has a wider range um but uh then all the moist books are read by the guy who played him in the tv special
0: well, to all of our audiobook fans, maybe seek out the older one then, or try both and see which one you prefer. If you've
2: listened to both the audiobooks, please write it. email please us. Please write us in. It. Genuinely Drop us a do, line, which, by the way, great. I make that joke a lot, but I yeah. will really be curious to hear people's thoughts on that because I hadn't yes. really considered it before you brought that up. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that,
1: that's a yeah, great uh, segue, actually. Um. Yeah. Uh, All of Deathlines are read by the same guy um, In every book Regardless of who's reading the majority of the book Oh, Good Good and Um, correct So that's fun Um, It it made me kind of wish That they did a full cast audiobook um, Rather than one reader
4: Kind of amazed they didn't
0: Full cast audiobooks Are the Mm. shit I still love the uh, His Dark Materials series of audiobooks Because they go full cast with that And it's incredible It's the best way to experience the book series I feel um but yeah uh speaking of mail we have an inbox uh disc at hypnovire.us that's d-i-s-c at hypnovi u s. if you have opinions about the fifth element the fifth elephant either one really. element. we'll take it jesus christ <laughs> we're gonna die uh. um that or vimes or the watch or literally anything else we talked about this episode or any other episode feel free to let us know we'd love to hear back from our listeners yeah we also have social media uh we're discpod on twitter we're discpod on uh mastodon we're discpod on co-host and new for this episode we have a blue sky account discpod at bluesky.social blue sky is definitely one of the websites but it is one that many people are using right now and if people are using it that means we got a market on it so go follow us there if you're on there and you'll get updates for when we go live and you can also talk to us there also that's fun uh, also we uh although this may have already happened depending on when this
2: comes out we might be doing a special event thing on the weekend of the 15th where we're gonna get together and stream one of the Discworld video games on my Twitch channel, yeah. twitch.tv
0: slash Juniper Theory. So uh, if a Discovers special video presentation. Special check our it.
2: social. Check our social medias yeah. to see when exactly we're doing that. Because I believe the current plan is for yeah. the fifteenth, but we'll have to double check. And uh, I'll
0: post it on. Yeah, I'll post it on the official I'll ones too. The- I'll be there as well <laughs> if I'm not too. Completely blasted on Oxys from uh, my surgery because I have surgery next yep. week. So that'll be really fun, hopefully. And uh, if not, it'll at
2: least be interesting to play a bad game. Mm-hmm. And if it's already happened, then you can probably go watch the
0: vod. So maybe do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm Iris J. Uh, you can find me online at uh, Iris J Comics on your better class of social media. And a few of your worst classes of social media. I'm, I still post things on Twitter, unfortunately. But I'm more active on Mastodon, Co-Host, uh, Blue Sky. And then I'm also on Tumblr, Pillow Fort. I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm like an octopus. I got my tentacles everywhere. Um, you can also get to my Patreon where you can support me monetarily. Patreon.com slash IrisJ. Uh, check out my store. Shop.IRSJ.net to promote to... I'm going to promote that so that you can buy my comics and things. It's fun. Uh, The one thing that's not Discworld they're going to promote this week, or this episode, really. Um, So when this comes out, uh, the Shortbox Comics Fair is going to be running. Uh, This is an event that happens. uh, This is going to be its second year. Uh, It's kind of like a big event where you can buy new digital comics from a whole shit ton of really cool creators. Um... There's a whole lot of exciting stuff coming. There was a lot of exciting stuff that came out last year as a result of it. There's a lot of more exciting stuff coming out this year because of it. Uh my partner Nero Vaios O'Reilly has a story called Phobiophilia. That's uh horny in an extremely deranged way that you might like. Um, give it a look. shortboxcomiccomicsfair.com. It's a great way to support independent cartooning without leaving the comfort and safety of your own home. Uh yeah. I'm Juniper. I
2: uh, have I've a uh, find me online at Juniper Theory on co-host. Uh, at Juniper Theory on co-host. Just follow me there, probably. Or uh, recently I've been doing a bunch of Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash Juniper Theory. Uh, I've been playing through every single pinball game video game ever made to find out how bad they are. I've played through over sixty nine pinball game video games nice. and they aren't mostly aren't very good. Uh, however I will give my one recommendation, which is for Xenotilt, which is the number one game on the list so far. Xenotilt, you can get it on Steam. It's fucking amazing. It's an amazing Is that out? Yeah no it's out and it's, it's so, in early access, so good. But, it, oh, but it's my basically God. Yeah. done. Just just if if you like no. that If you like weird computer pinball, play that. And if you don't like weird computer pinball, play Screamin' Mad George's Paranoia Escape. Because it's nothing like pinball.
4: It's nothing like anything. It's fucked. Hell yeah. Uh, I am still Belina. I'm still easier to find in the show notes. I don't even know where the hell I post these days. Uh, To plug something, I would i'm gonna tell people to go watch undead murder farce yeah it is on Crunchyroll. Yeah, it is fucking incredible it is hands down the best thing that i've seen so far this year anime or otherwise i it, it is very hard to find a good way to sell a half oni and a severed head go around solving mysteries in victorian london but mm-hmm. it is just fucking brilliant yeah good
0: it's some league of extraordinary gentlemen shit and I say that in the most complimentary way it possible. Has, it is good where most of these are bad. It has
2: the exact <sighs> energy of an anime you would find in 2006 on Adult Swim at 2 a.m. that fundamentally changes your brain chemistry and you think about for the next 20 years. God, it... Yeah.
4: It, they, they actually managed... It's a fucking screwball comedy. Yeah. It's I those. didn't know yeah. you could make those in 2023. Mm. Great stuff. It, it's just... Oh, really I love scary. that, like protagonists that actually like one another
0: Mm -hmm. I just love that like we finished watching the final episode literally the other day over lunch and Nero turned to me and was like wow that was really good too bad this is never getting fucking renewed and I'm like god (laughs) yeah tell me about it but I tell you what this is based on a series of novels and I really want to find out if somebody's translating the novels now because I totally want more of this shit (laughs)
4: god i i'm still watching i'm gonna be watching more of it tonight because you know it's 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 anime night with with spider gf so Mm. i'm just continuing to look forward to it (sighs) tell roxy we said hi
1: yeah
0: kel did you want to recommend something um wait did did grace go yet
3: no i usually go last (laughs) so Uh. yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i i was waiting for grace to go um but uh i can go next um you can read uh my comics at kelmcdonald.com um I hate social media, but they are all linked on my website. I just don't post there a lot. Um, you you should read my comics, though. Uh, they're about gay werewolves in the future. Mm. Um, I love it. And I Yes, also, The City Between
0: fucking slaps.
1: Thank you. Um, it's um, a future where the, everyone takes public transit and horses have gone extinct because I hate to draw cars and horses. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... and um, It, I also stream a lot at, um, twitch.tv slash kelmcdonald, so, uh, if you would like to hear me ramble about whatever I've been watching or reading lately with a friend, um, you can subscribe to me on Twitch, um, and I have a newsletter where you can keep up to date with all my stuff. Like I said, I hate social media. They're awful. I can't wait for all the social medias to die. Um... Take care. <laughs> That's all I got. Grace,
3: so sh- No, yeah. I have been the internet's beloved Princess Grace. You can find my writing programs, podcast posts, and if they also fit to plug, including, I believe, new stickers by the time this episode goes up at princess.software. Ooh. Uh, and as for the thing that I do not do that I'll recommend, uh, I will continue the streak of recommending pony music. Well, it's kind of pony music. It's also human music. It is... It's called Spirit Pony I just showed up on my YouTube recommended one day And it is a mashup of Neil Cesarica's seminal album Spirit Phone but with White Little Pony Equestria Girls music and it's really good I've been thinking about it Since I heard it it's Much better than you would expect It's just genuinely very good And so I had to plug it here uh, Check out Spirit Pony It's Incredible. on Bandcamp It's hard to search for on YouTube but Search Spirit Pony on Bandcamp
0: I'll give that a <laughs> listen. I'm always here for keeping mashup culture alive. Mm-hmm. Uh. yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, join us next time for The Truth. Uh, we're making our way through Discworld. We're in the really good shit right now, so don't touch that dial. Be good to each other, truly. It certainly was or maybe wasn't. A fifth... I mean,
3: there, there was a fifth
4: elephant, uh, kind of. We
3: didn't even talk about
4: the Maybe. elephant. I, I. Well, you know, nobody
0: anything in the book that matter. much. Nobody
4: wants to address the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> good night, everybody. God damn it.
0: <laughs> Maybe the real fifth right, elephant bye. was a friend
3: you made along the way.